Let's Go Blues Radio is powered by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code LGB. Make your balls a priority this fall. Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're just seconds away from Let's Go Blues Radio. Let's have a doink, bro. Eric Brewer was so bad. <laughs> Are we like Ogil Corp? Are we suspended? I I reciprocated the dickness. Selfish, Selfish hockey. That's right. Selfish hockey. What did I tell you about stick tape? You don't need it! No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 9 of Let's Go Blues Radio, where the often imitated but never duplicated, the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code LGB. Make your balls a priority this fall. Uh, we're broadcasting live on Wednesday, October 28, 2020. Happy Halloween, everyone. This is franchise episode number 275 all time. Your hosts tonight are yours truly, Kurt Price, Bill Day, and Jeff Ponder. And for your listening pleasure, for the next little while, we'll be talking St. Louis Blues hockey. So to interact with the show on social media, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGB Radio. My handle is at Kurt Price. Bill's is at Billy Blue Note. And Jeff's is at Ponder 94 You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, we're dual streaming live right now on YouTube and Facebook. And for those watching the live stream right now on either of those platforms, thank you for joining us and feel free to comment in the live chats and we'll address what we can during the show. If you're listening on the podcast version of the show, thank you for joining us as well. And uh, of course, the website is letsgoblues.com where you can listen to or watch past episodes of the show, browse the fan discussion forum, as well as get some cool St. Louis Blues themed t-shirts and stickers that helps support the show. Uh, welcome aboard this week, guys. Um, I guess we'll get right into it since we have a very special guest to the show. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. No, Kurt, no BSing don't, around. Don't just, don't just skip over some, some important information here, Kurt. Such as? What, what shirt are you wearing right now? Me? Yeah, you. I think I saw a glimpse of it earlier. I can't see it right now. Does it look like a Nashville Predator shirt? Because it ain't. (laughs) No, no, I know. I think it's a Let's Go Blues Radio shirt. That's a beauty. Look at that beaut. She's a beaut. Yeah, she's a beaut. She is a beaut. Beautiful stuff. Can you get that at the Let's Go Blues.com store? (laughs) I did. I did. It is. It's available now. How about that? There you go. A little shameless. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jeff and Bill, welcome. Uh, we have some official beverages, uh, this show, and I guess, uh, you know what? Uh, since we do have three beers and a, and a, and a cola, I guess, not a cola, a, uh, a black cherry, is it? Right. Um, so let's, uh, Jeff, you want to introduce our guest this show? Sure. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll let him lead off with drinks of the show, uh, yeah. first. Usually it's beer of the episode, but we'll, we'll go with, uh, beverages of the episode. Sure. Uh, our special guest today is, uh, Mike McKenna. You can follow on Twitter at Mike McKenna 56, St. Louis born, uh, goaltender, played for many organizations. I tried to count them earlier. Couldn't get them all right. He, uh, he tried to correct me, but I don't think he, he's sure. Uh, well, 16, but, uh, but who's counting? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. the number of organizations. <laughs> That's, That's right. not the number of That's jerseys, right. but it's the number of organizations. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so Mike McKenna joins the show, uh, uh, Parkway South uh, graduate. That's right. And uh, we'll get to talking about some of his St. Louis ties in a little bit. But first, Mike, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I dug uh, into the fridge here. So cheers, everybody. It's a Vest Black Cherry. It's my favorite soda ever. That's awesome. Uh, very St. Louis, very apropos. And ironically enough, these guys used to sponsor my dad's race car years ago in the Billion Bubble Machine. Had Vest sponsorship all over it. Bubbles, colorful. It was a CSR in the SCCA Racing Series. So, yeah, family history. And now my kids love all these goofy flavors. And it doesn't hurt that they're like... 25 cents a pop at Deerberg. So uh, <laughs> that's my beverage of the day. Where, where was the, oh, yeah. where, where did your dad race? Uh, what, what tracks was it? Uh, what, what kind of racing was it? Cause I, there was a track near my house. I don't know if that was where he was or not. Uh, it was open wheel. I uh, raced what was then known as super V uh, somewhat of the equivalent of what Indy lights would be. Now the step right below IndyCar. Okay. Uh, it was in the sports car club of America, SCCA. So it was all road courses throughout okay. North America. Uh, I mean, he would race in Wentzville at MAR. That used to be the old track here in St. Louis. That's now housing development, half of it. And then the old track is was at Gateway, uh, which is now Worldwide Technology Motorsports Park. If I've gotten that correct, that's a mouthful. That's correct. Yep. Uh, so that used to be a road course before they built the oval. Uh, but we, we traveled all over the place with it. I'd, I'd be at the rink in the wintertime and at the uh, racetrack in the summer with Dad. Uh, so speaking of your dad, I want to say a friend of the show, Angela Sharp, says to tell your dad hello for her. So cool, uh, I guess yeah. she's a big fan of your dad. Well, there's there's a lot of history there. So her, she has family members. Uh, her grandfather, I believe, is a member of the St. Louis Amateur Hockey Hall of Fame, as is my grandfather. And really, really important person in youth hockey and in the history of our sport in this city. So I always get a smile, when I, uh, smile on my face when... I one hear from somebody with that connection, but two thinking about uh, my own grandpa and other people that have been involved. Uh, guys, you, you want to go ahead and do your beers? I'll finish, and yeah. uh, we can get into talking to Mike. That'll work, Bill. What you got? I can't hear Bill. Can you hear Bill? What happened to Bill? <laughs> I think he muted himself. Mute. <laughs> I'm, I'm on work calls all day, and I do that for work. So I thought I'd bring that over to the podcast. Bill, um, you don't have talking work calls. You're a, you're, a, you're a bouncer at a strip club on the east side, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to have work calls for that. Uh, well, it's it's a different gig these days. You know, it's, the <laughs> pandemic's really screwed everything up. Virtual um, bouncing. No. Yes. It, it's so much fun. Um, the uh, My beer tonight is uh, another Founders product inspired by Jeff Ponder because it's dark, rich, and sexy. Founders Porter. It's beautiful. Dark, it. rich, and sexy. I'll take it. Uh, the rich part, not so much. The others, I'll take. You can you can make an argument with the other two. The the the, the third one is uh you know it's, it's, you can fact check that right. <laughs> Jeff, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm, I'm finishing. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got a Distorter Porter from Greenbush Brewing in uh, Michigan. Picked this up when I was uh, actually on the way back home. Stopped by a, a beery on the way home, and it, uh, it's it's pretty good. I uh, just got the one, so I was hoping I didn't love it because I this is like I'd have to savor it. But no, it's good. I like it a lot. Quite good. It's uh, in, and so actually, it, and it's actually in my bill. Did you have a Founders mug? Is that the Founders mug that you got? Yeah. See. Tis. Tis. Yeah. There you go. 
clang, clang. Yeah. With, with, uh, with so my, I, I got, I got. I don't think I ever talked about this on the show. My mug here has got Patrick Swayze on it. You can't see it. It's a uh, etched in there. Patrick Swayze head. Did you oh. steal it from Patrick Swayze's house? <laughs> when I was, are you in... trying to say Patrick Swayze has custom engraved glasses of his own likeness in his house? <laughs> Wouldn't you, uh, if you were I'm, Patrick Swayze? I don't want to be telling tales out of school, but uh, maybe. Uh, he uh, went to Founders Brewery in in Michigan, and uh, they had a bunch of beer mugs on clearance, like two bucks a piece, right? And they were custom engraved with things that, uh, uh, like, uh, their their beer membership people uh, got or ordered or whatever that never picked up. So they were in the gift shop, and they were just giving them away for basically almost nothing. And this one had Patrick Swayze's head on it, so I thought, oh, I got to buy that. That's that's and that's well, I mean, that's, yeah, it. that's test it. that up. <laughs> I appreciate Derek the Sutton. <laughs> yeah, I've got, yes, exactly. I've got a rattlesnake coffee mug that's stayed with me ever since I got it in San Antonio. We were on a road wow. trip with the Rivermen with the Blues organization, and I jokingly said to my wife, "If I find a rattlesnake mug, I'm buying it." <laughs> that was completely off the wall. There was no plan for that. I didn't really expect it to happen. And sure enough, I'm walking down the street in downtown San Antonio, about two blocks from the Alamo, and I look in a gift shop, and there it is, rattlesnake mug. <laughs> so it's been. It was in the locker room the rest of my career. I kept it there, and now That's it's in my office when I'm in Vegas working for the team. That's awesome. Nice. His name's Henry, by the way. I mean, if you're curious, his name is Henry. Uh, but uh, he made his nice. debut in the playoffs when we were doing a live stream on YouTube. We were calling Fortress at Home, and I made coffee live on air, and Henry made his live TV debut. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so before we get into uh, my beer, I do want to say we got a couple people already in the chat, some early uh, listeners. Uh, Logan Detweiler, Detweiler, I'm not going to even try to say his name, although I just did. He says, hi, uh, Puck Guy 14 our friend over at Teal Town USA, says he still has Gloria in his head. Uh, yeah, well, hey, you know, we do too here in St. Louis, so uh, we're with you. Uh, Willie says, hey, boys, and Nicholas Lamming says, what's up, guys? It's Lambini. Long time since I've turned and in, tuned into a live show. Glad I could tune in. So just want to give a cheers to all of our friends listening live right now. Thanks, boys. Uh, my uh, my episode, I'm guessing they're all boys, but, you know, you never know. Um, my beer of the episode is the Citywide APA Pale Ale uh, from Four Hands. Uh, one of my favorite uh, beers, local beers. Very, very smooth stuff if you like pale ale. Um, definitely give it a try if you've never had it. Um, so again, we're talking to the guy drinking Vess, uh, Mike McKenna on the show. Uh, Mike, first of all, um, you know, we're going to get into your career. We're going to talk about you working for the Golden Knights, but, uh, something that I think a lot of people might know about you if they've listened to you on the radio or maybe even followed you on social media is you're, you're a big music guy, big metal fan. Uh, what's your uh, music of choice when you were getting ready to, uh, for game time? Uh, music of choice all day long, all day, every day is just metal. <laughs> it's not, uh, I, I think a lot of people have this misconception that it's a, a music and a genre that you would listen to to get fired up. And that's not me at all. I enjoy the musicianship of it. I was always drawn to guitars. And that's what I listen for. I don't listen to vocals like most people. Like most people sit and watch The Masked Singer or American Idol and they're captivated by people's voice. Well, that was never me. 
I wanted to watch the guy go up and down the fretboard and, and the drum work. And I think it was just like a lot of things in life. I was drawn to something that was difficult and metal is difficult. It's not easy to play. And we're not talking about radio metal. I mean, really intense Scandinavian American death metal, heavy stuff. Right. And, um, it kind of gravitated towards it. And I do like a lot of softer stuff too. Like I listen to things on the, that are on the point. I just listen to things all the time that are on Casey, right? If I'm not listening to metal, it's classic rock. So I'm very band driven, instrument driven. Um, but yeah, like if I'm getting ready for a game, it would be kind of whatever I was into at the time. I always had somewhat of a playlist that would get me through, you know, 20 or 30 minutes to get going for it. But um, it wasn't really any like specific playlist. I was a um, ACDC Thunderstruck guy. For, uh, before oh, games. Yeah. I, I, I listened to that well, before games. You weren't alone in that. I mean, I am something unique. You, you yeah. didn't check that box. <laughs> yeah. I, no, no. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I just, I, I imagine it's a very popular thing, but that, yeah, like a lot of people, that did it for me. So, yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, I always requested for our warm up mix to have Iron Maiden Aces High. That was a song I always wanted to have. A couple times I got it, which was fantastic. Didn't always expect it. It's, just, you know, considered retro for nowadays but uh as i got older teams just kind of took pity on me i think and decided that well we should probably let the old guy hear what he wants to hear uh, <laughs> but it's it's funny how you gravitate to, towards these things though you know like growing up going to blues games as a kid um and with my dad and grandpa being office officials i was there early i saw warm-ups every game and you know i can still remember van halen jump Right. Wow. And, and just clear as day as being played every warmups that like keyboard line going into it. And that still sticks with me. Like my earliest memories of when the team went from the old arena to enter, well, Keel at the time, uh, <laughs> um, Sky, Enterprise Center that is now. So uh, it's, am it's amazing how music can stick with you in certain memories in life. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I, I when I was a kid, I had a playlist, uh, and it's well as a, a burned CD, I guess, and you all can relate to that. I made my dad turn on when he was driving me to games when I was a teenager, and it was all stuff you heard before games at Keel. And so it yeah. was Jump, it was, oh man, Thunderstruck. It was a, it was a bunch of songs like that. You I know, remember my dad. It was actually, it was actually right, right now, the Van Halen song "Right Now." That's mm -hmm. what it was. It wasn't Jump. It was Right Now. Yeah. I, I screwed yep. that one up, but that's I, that riff, that opening couple notes. That that was what I always associated with blues hockey as a kid. What was, there was uh, another one? Uh, Raise your hands by uh, Bon Jovi. That was another one. Okay, all right. Yeah. What 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 was yours, Bill? What did you have? You have pregame music. What was yours? So <laughs> you, you look embarrassed. Stuff, but, <laughs> well, I had a lot of stuff. It's raining men. Know, when <laughs> I get worked up with that one, I mean that's that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So when I got to high school, um, and you know, before a game, I actually, I, a public enemy, there's the, the public enemy track, shut them down. Being a goalie, it was perfect for me. Okay. So I just played that on repeat, you know, and, you know, I was in high school before, you know, uh, MP3 players and that. So it was rewind the tape, play the track, <laughs> right. rewind the tape, play the track. So. <laughs> I remember those. I can days. remember being in junior hockey and having to put five different discs into my car as I drove to the rink. Back when I actually <laughs> oh, did have a playlist, and I had the same five or six songs that would last from my Bill of Family's house to the rink. 
and I'd just be shuffling down the highway, <laughs> throwing CDs in and out of the, the disc man just to, to get the songs that I wanted to hear because we didn't even have the capability to burn them onto a disc at that point. That was oh, 90, 98, 90, or 99, 2000. Yeah. I was uh, 14 and 15, so I was, I'm a little bit behind you. You're, uh, you got me by a couple of years. But, yeah, I remember those days, too. Not, uh, you're not that old, so you don't need to worry about that. Kurt's way older. He's, like, in his 60s. Yeah, so. 68. <laughs> 68, yeah. yeah. I hear next year will be a lot of fun. um so mike uh talking about growing up in st louis again uh parkway south kid um what uh what what if there's one spot that you remember from your childhood that you went to a lot whether it was with your friends or your parents um what was that one spot Uh, well the arena first off you know uh, going to every game like i mentioned earlier dad and grandpa both being off-ice officials that was as close to a memory that will always stick with me as you'll ever get because I was so there so often. Um, but aside from that, Kirkwood Ice Arena, that was my home being Parkway South within the Kirkwood district, right? So that's where I spent most of my time as a kid. And you can imagine that for my era, I'm an 83 birth year. I still remember going to 6 a.m. practice with completely dark outside, no roof, chain link fence instead of glass at Kirkwood. <laughs> and then the roof came in and then the rest of the ring came in. Um, so it's, it's funny at the time you, you didn't, you hated those times, your toe, my toes would freeze. And now I look back on it and it's some of my favorite memories, you know, there was just, there was nothing to it. You're just playing for the fun of it. And and I see it right now, like through the same prism of my daughter playing who's seven years old and who's at Kirkwood now too. And it's just, it's really, really cool to kind of come full circle and actually be excited to wake up in the morning and go to a rink as much as you, you can't stand it because you know you're going to struggle the rest of the day. <laughs> it's like, that's where, uh, that's where I was. I spent a lot of time at six flags in high school. Like a lot of people, um, you know, I, I went to wet willies in Fenton to drive those water slides like a lot of people in West County too. So, uh, all, all the classic St. Louis memories, man. Um, so, uh, talking about just different areas in St. Louis you've been to. So obviously St. Louis guy got asked the St. Louis question, Emos or Cecils? You've made well, either, did. and if you're not, what, what else? You already said where I went to high school, so we can't ask that question. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, here's the thing about pizza. I just, like, don't discriminate. I love pizza across the board, whether it's Chicago, St. Louis, New York style. I'm in on Detroit. I'm making Detroit pizzas at home now in my kitchen, and they're sick. Like, I, I got my, my buddy Gerard Kraft, who's got – uh, brasserie and used to have niche and uh, pastorias. His restaurant in town started cooking oh. these, and I was like, "What do I need for a pan?" So now I'm doing those. But um, I, you know, I, I as a kid, it was always Cecil Whitaker's. I liked more Nemo's. I think that we ordered from them because they were less expensive, though. Yes, uh, I think <laughs> that was the, the, exactly. I really just think that was the only reason why. Uh, and right now, like, I probably couldn't pick. I, I, I think they're both delicious. Uh, I'm way in on them, but. Uh, for St. Louis style, that's great. But man, there's so many good pizza joints in town. Like not, not just the St. Louis style, but you know, Pastoria and other places that are slinging really, really good pies around town are just as good in my book. You mentioned Detroit pizza. There's a great Michigan pizza place out by me. Bella Chino's. Have you been out there? Just the grinders, right? That's what they have. They got grinders and they got pizza and their pizza is phenomenal. It's, it's as close to Detroit style pizza as you can get in St. Louis. So keep that in mind. Square, eight corner. It's square. Yep. Yep. 
That's uh very good. Jets Jets is the one by me in Baldwin that I found. That's pretty yeah, that's close to it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a good one for sure. Um, so uh again, more St. Louis questions for you. Gooey butter cake, Ted Drews, yin and all that stuff as well. Oh yeah, we've got the family recipe for gooey butter cake. Mm. Starts with a box of yellow cake mix. It has to be uh has to be the like the dry yellow cake. It can't be I don't know. My, my dad can tell you, but it's <laughs> my wife's from upstate New York and she's perfected it. So she's got it down pat. Um, toasted ravioli. I mean, all the St. Louis stuff. Yeah. I, it's, it's quintessential. It's, it's funny. It's, it, it's, it's really cool. When I was playing, when my wife would whip up a gooey butter cake for like a team dinner at our place and everybody think it was like lemon bars. <laughs> and then, you know, after like two pieces, they're dragging and they can't get off the floor and they didn't know what they were having. And they were like, yeah, it's gooey butter cake. What? <laughs> so, yep. uh, the, rest of, the recipe has definitely been dispersed due to us. Um, Brandon Bolig was on the show uh, over the summer and uh, he mentioned his wife was from Chicago. And so I asked him, what does she think of St. Louis style pizza? Expecting to hear, oh, it's awful. It's cracker pizza. She apparently fell in love with it. So what does your wife think of all the St. Louis foods you've made her try? She doesn't like the pizza. But Chicago has thin crust pizza, too. People don't realize that. That's that's yeah. not uh, uncommon up there. They just don't have the Provel cheese. The Provel is what throws everybody off here. Mm. But it sticks mm. to the roof of your mouth, and it's just got a different like taste and mouth feel. Uh, she doesn't like it. The Provel is what she can't handle. But, I mean, Chicago-style pizza, they, they call it a casserole up there. Or that you could call it a casserole, technically, because it's so thick. But uh, yeah. Brandon Bullock, fellow St. Lawrence University, uh, I That's graduated true. from there. He did not. He left early so he could go play <laughs> a show and win a Stanley Cup <laughs> and be the first St. Louisan to ever win a Stanley Cup. Um Oh, so and he's, really, he was really very cool. happy to talk about that as well. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind um, of a big deal. You know, winning a Stanley Cup is the only you know reason we play. So I'd be pretty right. proud, too, if I'd ever had that chance. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we were, it was, um, I mean, for us to have him on, it was a lot of fun. He, uh, I'm, I'm a St. Charles kid. I, I grew up uh, playing for Francis Howell. And so, you know, he played for Howell North and, and they were ridiculously good when we were in school together. And so, yeah, when he, when I was asking about all those days, I'm just like, part of me's just like, damn it, Brandon Bolig. Playing against you guys was not fun. So I'm happy he went on to do something though. And now I can root for him because he's a St. Louis kid. But yeah, back in the day, hated playing against his teams. They were, they were some good, they were some good teams, especially in the roller hockey division. Um, so question I wanted to ask you, uh, Mike, uh, and this actually comes from our friend Bill here, who's uh, uh, a, a goalie, as he mentioned, played for CBC, right? Bill? Yep. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Played for, played for uh, CBC yep, for a while. Yep. We uh, was on the 93 state champions team. So. Okay. Um, so any influential goalie camps you went to? Obviously, Bruce Racine has a really nice, good, uh, really good camp out here. Any things you went to as a kid uh, uh, in St. Louis for, for becoming a better goalie? Yeah, for sure. And, and Bruce has done a fantastic job. When he first came to town, we, we kind of merged camps and uh, did them together up until the last couple of years um, when I was playing in the finals and I couldn't work a couple and then just kind of went by the wayside. But uh, the first goalie coaching I had in town was Lindsey Middlebrook. And Lindsay really, mm -hmm. uh, to me, was the first person that really organized and did a camp proper for goalies in town. I mean, you'd have the traveling roadshow of guys like Rick Hines had come in and he wouldn't even show up 
he'd have his minions come and run people through drills. That's not a goalie camp to me. You need the person there. And Lindsay really got things going in the right direction. And I still to this day use things that I learned from Lindsay when I was seven or eight years old. And then later on in life, he ended up coaching our Bantam team that went and won the Kamloops Bantam International Ice Hockey Tournament, which helped put St. Louis hockey on the map, got me down the road in my career. So Lindsay's, I mean, on Mount Rushmore of importance for me, Lindsay Middlebrook's right there. Uh, with somebody who, in my eyes, without question, should be in the St. Louis Amateur Hockey Hall of Fame. I don't know why he's not yet. He should be. Um, and from that point forward, I, I did some camps with Bill Howard for a while. Um, but really, Lindsay was... Lindsay was at the core of it for me. And then I was lucky when I was drafted that I was drafted by the National Predators who had Mitch Korn as their goalie coach. And even though I never went to Korn's camps as a kid in St. Louis, uh, getting to know him and then working his camps with him too was, was pretty special. That's another person who was really influential on me in my career. Um, I've, from what I've seen and what I've talked to with, with, with former players and, and people who've worked around professional athletes, Mitch Korn, I'm told, is one of the best coaches to work with. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Even to this top echelon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the success he's had with people, and um, sometimes people are quick to say that, you know, a coach isn't as good but as they may have been just because they had great players. And I don't think that's ever the case. I think it's a symbiotic thing where, you know, Mitch Korn had Dominic Hoshik and they worked together to get Hoshik to the point where he was at. When Hoshik came from the Blackhawks, you know, they didn't know what they had in Buffalo. They worked together. Hoshik plays better than Grant Fuhrer, takes over the crease, and him and Mitch worked together. Goes to Nashville where the team's expansion, hardly anybody. Tomas Valkun's in the Vesna talk. Uh, you go to... You go to Washington, Holtby wins a Vesna, you win a Stanley Cup finally. And like just the amount of success that he's had over the years and to see how he has adapted over the time is the most impressive thing. There's a lot of goalie coaches, uh, until recent times at least, that they weren't willing to adapt and they've fallen by the wayside. You need to stay with the current trends, learn how to teach it, know how to read what's going on and be able to verbalize that to your players, your goalies. And that's Mitch. Like he's one of two or three goalie coaches to me that should be considered for the hockey hall of fame, like the big one uh, for what they've done, what they've contributed. His web is, is massive. Uh, him, Francois Allaire is another person I would consider that too. Famous uh, for working with Patrick Waz, J.S. Jaguar, um, two guys that I think should be unquestionably considered for the hall someday. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Francois Allaire, some of the stuff I've heard of him has just been, did you ever actually work with him? Have you worked with him? I worked before? with everybody. Oh yeah. I told you I got paid by 16 teams, man. I worked with all the big dogs. <laughs> I worked with Frankie Allaire, Mitch Korn, Ian Clark, Rick Wamsley. I mean, you could, I, I worked with them all, man. Uh, the, the only couple of big dogs I missed were Benoit Allaire, who's with the New York Rangers for a bunch of years and was with Arizona previously. Um, I didn't get to work with him or, or Roly Melanson. And those are kind of the two only big name guys out there that I didn't, I got everybody else. So, um, and I, I think that's a huge benefit to my career. Like I got a lot of different opinions. Are there a lot of, uh, goalie coaches in the hockey hall of fame? None, none. There's not a single one. There are no assistant coaches in the hockey hall of fame and that's goalie it. coaches are considered assistant coaches. Yeah. That that's the, especially coaches in the genre of assist, uh, of a goalie coaches you would think there'd be a, a category for them that that's that's interesting 
the, yeah, the specialized armor. coaches. Yeah, I agree. Well, that and that's the reason why that's the what we've heard from the hall all along is well, if we open up the goalie coaches, well, do we have to open the door to everybody else? Well, why shouldn't you? If yeah. somebody is deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, why sure. do they have to be a head coach? Why sure. why can they not be a skills coach or a strength coach or you know, to me goaltending we're the most important position. You can't win without a goaltender, <laughs> right? And there's That's no respect, true. man. Like there's no respect for the coaches that have progressed this forward. Like and, and goalies, you can't pay a goalie more than six bucks, six million bucks anymore. You know, like the price contract and the Bobrovsky contract. We're never doing those again. Well, look at the team that just won the Stanley Cup. They got nine and a half million bucks a goal in Vasilevsky. Yep. Like it, it boggles the mind how undervalued goalies are, yet overvalued at the same time. Right. Well, they like get, it's a fine line. They get Stanley Cup rings. So Yep. Right. So, I mean, hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's messed up. Hmm. Um, yep. So you mentioned getting drafted in uh, 2002, sixth round, 172nd overall. Um, I actually know that number off the top of my head. I'm not reading off anything, um, <laughs> but uh, we, I, we, we were talking so about I. it just, to, yeah, right. Yeah. So the three wrong. of us were, were actually talking earlier about um, the Jersey that you were drafted in 2002. If you remember, the Nashville Predators, the mustard yellow. I have to ask, of all the jerseys you've worn, was that one of the ugliest ones? It's, uh, I think it's the most beautiful. It's my draft jersey. You know? <laughs> of course, you have to say that. That makes sense. I can no, see that. I'm, I'm not just saying it. It's my draft jersey, man. I work hard to get that thing. Now, it is terrible looking, but I love it. Um, <laughs> It's the mustard yellow uh, saber tooth skeleton cat. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, I was a late enough pick that I didn't get a name bar on my jersey either. I had to wait like 10 years before I actually had Mitch Korn get me in touch with Pete Rogers, the equipment guy with Nashville, who just happened to have enough material still laying around to finally put a name bar on it. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's a doozy for sure. Like it's not, it's not what you would consider a classic uniform by any, like by the good standard, um, maybe on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's the most beautiful Jersey you think you've ever worn? Like in terms of teams you played for. That's. I mean, Riverman's up there, right? It's gotta be. That's like a question, oh, a question he's never been asked. I think that's that's a... no. Those jerseys were awful because they had the piping on them, like football jerseys. Any jersey yep. that Reebok designed and came out with in two thousand eight, I do not like. Period. We were just talking about that. Was actually. it the worst jersey design? Stars and... jerseys from that era. Oh, yep. well, the yep. the the Ottawa Senators are finally getting rid of it now this year. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they ran that thing twelve years into the ground. Um, they just, they look like practice jerseys. They didn't look right for hockey. Um, Agreed. Man, I don't know. Like, best jersey. Like, you have to think about your your equipment and how it looked with it. Like, I thought my Columbus setup was, like, bang on. Just the, the oh, navy yeah. red. The navy red and white was just, it was perfect, right? The mask, the pads, all that really worked well together. Um Dallas's were cool. My daughters love Philadelphia just because my, my oldest daughter loves orange. It's her favorite color. So it's special to me that way. Um, but man, I really, I really have to dig in the archives here. It's probably. I, I would, I, I, my vote goes to the Flyers. I, I liked your setup, especially when you first got there and you had the all black mask. I, I actually liked that look. That was pad that wrap was hockey and hockey tape. tape. 
Yeah, the equipment guy there, Derek Settlemeyer, put like two rolls of black tape on my mask. It was my senator's mask. <laughs> and then the pads had about four pounds of pad wrap on them to cover up the senator's stuff. So that, that was a that was a really bastardized set of gear at that point. <laughs> Jeff oh, likes it. Man, that's a, that's a shame. A it looked awesome. They did a great job with it. It oh, looked yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You know, the problem is the pad wrap didn't slide very well. It was it was nice and looking, <laughs> but it was heavy and it didn't slide well. So I couldn't wait to get my next set of gear, but I, I didn't know where the hell I was going to end up that season. I'd already been on a bunch of teams, so I just ordered white gear for the first time in my career because I was just a complete nomad and figured I I had no idea where I was going to land. So I'm getting white gear and hoping for the best. Now, was that something um, that, they, that they required, the, uh, the, the, the covering up the old colors? Because I've, I, you, occasionally you, you see goalies wear, wear previous teams' gear. Uh, colors. Uh, yeah, he, the, the Anaheim goalie, uh, the the Blues, the Blues waved him. Chad, Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson. Remember, he he joined the Ducks and he had the Blues helmet still on. Yeah. Well, if you want a good example, I've got Senators gear while dressing a game for the Vancouver Canucks two years ago, and I look like a kaleidoscope. <laughs> <laughs> there, there may not be a color in the spectrum I'm not wearing, um, but. No, you don't have to change gear. And it's actually hard because your equipment has to all be approved by the National Hockey League by Kay Whitmore. He has to sign off on everything. So, you know, it's not like you can just go in the back room and grab a, an arm and chest or a pair of pads or glove or blocker that somebody had left there. Because, uh, one, you have your own custom gear. But, two, it's not approved. It doesn't fit your body. So you, you're kind of at the mercy of the equipment companies. And, like, I mean, a week, they can do it in a week. Uh, two weeks is almost a little more realistic for you to be able to get your gear and get into it. Because it has to go through the Damn. NHL. That's the biggest delay is it's got to go to Toronto, be approved, and then sent to you. And that adds two to three days worth every time. So how many spare so parts do you have like with your – how many, how many spare parts do you have like with – like you have uh, – obviously have backup masks. You have uh, – Depends. No, I mean it depends how cheap a team is. Ottawa didn't buy me a backup mask. Um <laughs> So that's one okay. team. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, some there's guys who have backup masks as their mask from the previous season with whatever team they were on. Sure. So uh, generally, though, speaking, yes, teams would, would especially, you know, full-time guys that are in the show, they're going to have two masks at all times with them. You'll have two pairs of skates with you, pair of pads, uh, two blockers, two gloves. So, you, you know, when you're on a road trip, you've got that much. And if you're at home, you're going to have more equipment than that on hand if it's necessary. So a really heavy hockey bag is what you're saying? Uh, two. <laughs> two, hockey two hockey bags. There you go. Yeah. The weight has come down, though. <laughs> so, again, uh, again, we're talking with Mike McKenna here, uh, currently of the, uh, the Golden Knights broadcast, but uh, former professional hockey goaltender, uh, played for many different organizations throughout his time. But uh, the big one that I wanted to talk about, and I'm, I'm sure this was something you knew we were going to bring up, uh, July 1st, 2012, you signed a one-year, two-way contract with the Blues. You spent the entire season in Peoria. You actually split that time with young goaltender Jake Allen, mostly, but Brian Elliott was also there. So a little bit of a St. Louis connection there as well. But when you signed that contract, um, I'm sure you went through many emotions because it was on July 1st, first day of free agency. I'm sure it was, um, you know, hey, this is great signing with my hometown organization. Did you think there was going to be a chance that you would make the the pro NHL club? Or did you kind of know, well, I'm probably going to be in Peoria the whole year, but at least I'm with my hometown team. How, what was your reaction like to that? 
Well, I, I signed the day after I got married too. So it was pretty cool. Um, it was really, really special. And ironic part is that uh, St. Louis had tried to trade for me earlier. Bishop got traded to Ottawa. And for whatever reason, Ottawa wouldn't trade me back. And then Peoria had to get Staylock off the scrap heap, off the injury pile to come in and play. And that was just weird. Um, but regardless, the next season, I ended up with St. Louis. And it was amazing. I mean, it's a dream come true. And I'd, I'd flirted with the organization for a long time in a lot of ways. Like I went to training camp in 2007 as an invite because I just kept playing well. They needed somebody in the rookie turn or in the, uh, the development camp. And I went in and played well. And then they needed a goalie for Traverse City. And I went up there and, you know, I led the tournament and everything over Hudobin and Pavlik and McCollum and other guys who really became good goaltenders. And then I got invited to main camp. So uh, I'd gone to Peoria previously, didn't end up signing. And then finally getting it in 2012, though, was really cool. And, you know, the expectation for me was always the same. Like, I was just going to go there with the knowledge of that, I'm going to do the best I can and whatever happens, happens. There was at no point in my career that I was somebody's prospect, though. And that's what I think really hindered me from having a legit opportunity to really get time in the NHL is because I never had a team that had juice behind me at all. I never had a, I never had a scouting staff that had their, had their nuts on the line because I had to play well. You know what I mean? Like you need that, like you need to have juice behind you. So like, if you look at Peoria, if you look at Binghamton, if you look at it a couple times in my career after that, my numbers were always better than my goalie partners, but I didn't get the call up or the time. And that's just something that I accepted. I, I, I couldn't do anything about it. All I could do is play my best, be a good teammate. Um, I absolutely loved playing with Jake Allen. Loved it. And we've remained really close friends. And you, this is proof in the pudding of why he would get that call up, though, because he was the prospect that had this higher ceiling and at a younger age. Uh, and that's what led to him becoming the goaltender that he is now. So uh, would I have liked to have gotten that chance? Uh, absolutely, to play for the team, uh, for the Blues. Do I think I deserved it at times? Frankly, yes. Um, but that's just not how it felt. I don't have any animosity at all. The team was good to me. Um, really liked it there. I mean, Brian Elliott came down and I just won player of the week in the American Hockey League and I sat on the bench because he was coming from St. Louis, you know? Like, these are the things that you have to do uh, when you're in a role like myself where you're just trying to carve out a career and 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 just get whatever you can. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, you wore the Blues jersey, I'm sure, for, for training camp, for preseason. Not in 2012, um, that's Oh my God, that was a lockout year. Yeah. Oh, so you never actually got to put on a Blues jersey, huh? Uh, I did. Well, the 2007 training camp, yes, that I was mm. take that I took part of. Um, but I, I only played in like a. It wasn't even a real preseason game. It was like the B squad against Dallas and Dallas. It was basically like the American League team wearing uh, Blues jerseys. So, uh, no, I eff- I effectively never actually wore a jersey for the Blues. So, wow, uh, that's, uh, but I have, that's the, crazy. I have the mask and I, and I still have, you know, a, a Riverman hoodie that I found in my archives to wear today just for the fun of it. But, uh, yeah, I was happy to see that. I've, I've got a bunch of Riverman stuff up in my closet. I, I go up to Peoria every now and then. So I have to ask you for the people listening from Peoria who know Peoria. Uh, did you enjoy going to big owls? Never went literally. Really? Never went. 
Oh. Wow. All right. Good for you. <laughs> I, spent enough, I spent enough time in middle Illinois playing junior hockey to realize that, number one, that's uh, is really not where I want to be anyway. Uh, and number two, that's really, really, really not where I want to be anyway. So, <laughs> um, that is good. Good. You're a good man. You're a better man than I. I will put it like that. <laughs> I, it's, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was married. I had a kid on the, like, I, that's, that's not my thing anyway, to say the least, but uh, it is famous for visiting teams because there's not much to do in Peoria. Um, no. I really liked, I actually really liked Peoria. It just felt like a small Midwest town and like I'm a Midwestern kid to the core, you know, so it, it didn't feel very foreign to me at all. Um, some of the guys didn't like it much, but you know, if, if you're used to living in Toronto as a kid, it's, it's a little bit different. <laughs> Um, so uh, did your family come up a lot when you were playing in Peoria? Yeah, decent amount. It was nice. You know, that was the closest I ever played to home in my pro career. Uh, and being three hours away, I saw him quite a bit, saw friends, you know, decently often too. And, um, that was just really cool. Like being that close and, and getting to see my billet family from Springfield, Illinois, where I played junior, you know, they were only an hour and hour and 15 down the road too. So that was, uh, that was a fun year. It really was like, we had a pretty good cast on that team. I mean, uh, some players that really went on. I mean, Jake Allen, Jane Schwartz, Ian Cole, uh, even, you know, Peluso was there and he got a lot of time in the National League too. There was a, a decent amount of guys, Taylor Chorney, good hockey players. We weren't a great team, um, but, you know, really good, really interesting coach, Dave Allison, uh, unbelievable assistant coach and Scott Allen. So, yeah, it was, it was just another part of the journey, man. So speaking of the journey, we have to talk about something you mentioned earlier, uh, three teams in four days. That's that's kind of become the moniker that's associated with the end of your career. Um, so for those that don't know, Mike, uh, you signed with Ottawa to open the 2018-19 season. You played with the Sens. You played with Binghamton of the AHL. Ended up getting traded to Vancouver for another St. Louis connection, Anders Nielsen going the other way and a four player deal. Uh, you joined the Canucks in Toronto and Montreal. Then you were waived so you could play in Utica, their AHL team, but then you were picked up by the flyers. Again, another St. Louis connection. Uh, Brian Elliott was one of the injured goalies there in Philadelphia. Uh, you were used as the seventh goalie by Philadelphia, which is a record, uh, which before that happened, the blues actually held the record for those that remember that season. Um, so that was probably back when you were going to the games all the time at uh Savage Center when that year that happened. But either Jim way, Carrier. Um, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Brasso, right? Yeah, Brasso, Carrey, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I mean that's that's crazy. You mentioned that at this point you're already married. You've I think you already had a kid at this point, uh, but I mean, what is that like? I mean, was that something that made you say? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Or was it just, this is part of my life. This is what I know uh, I have to do. And sometimes this happens. Yeah. The pride kept me going. And uh, I mean, and the money too. I mean, I was in the NHL. Like if I walk away from it, that's, a, you can't do that. I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I made a good living in hockey, uh, but as a number three goalie, I mean, I, I have to work now. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't have millions in the bank by any stretch. Um, I don't have a million in the bank. You know what I mean? Like, but um, I, I trust me, I had a great career in terms of that. I'm very, very happy that we're unionized in minor league hockey and you can make a good living. Um, 
but it was wild, man. And, and honestly, though, the thing is, I went into the last year of my career thinking it was going to be my last. I wanted it to be my last. I had planned my exit for three years prior to that. And I'd had opportunities to do things outside of hockey and media before that season. And I ended up not pursuing them in favor of playing one more year because I wanted my youngest daughter to remember me as a hockey player. And at the time, she was three. Uh, my oldest one was five at the time. And we have two daughters. And that was important to me. My dad raced cars and I remember him as a race car driver. And I just, I thought that'd be the coolest thing in the world if she could remember that. So, um, unfortunately, basically everything Ottawa sold me on, um, they went back on when they traded me. So, uh, you know, I was signed to go to Belleville, which is in Canada. It wasn't Binghamton, it was Belleville, which is in Canada, which was a big step for our family. My daughter was in kindergarten. There was a lot of things to consider. And, you know, I spent three separate phone calls in the talking period leading up to free agency, convincing me how Belleville is going to be good. Talk to our people, take care of this. And, and I finally, we came around and we were like, you know what? This is the last year. Let's just go enjoy this. Hopefully we play the whole season in one place. And, and Ottawa told me going in though, that, Hey, if there's any short-term call-ups, you're going to get them. But, um, you know, we really, really need you in Belleville to help our young guys, bring them along, mentor them. You know what I'd done my whole career, really be a, be a number three. Well, Mike Condon allowed a field goal and they sent him down and he never came back. And then I suddenly I, I was, that. and suddenly I was up and I spoke. Basically I didn't see my family for two months uh, other than driving back occasionally for like seven hours to see him once a week at the most over this time frame. And the whole time I'm in a hotel and I'm just on an Island and we sucked in Ottawa, like sucked, 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 sucked defensively. And, you know, it's, I was literally averaging 40 shots a game and I'm just trying to keep my head above water at this point and not make a fool of myself. And, and then, you know, we go to play Vancouver coming back. My family had just joined us in the hotel in Ottawa. They were going to spend six days with me there. It's going to be great. We hadn't seen each other and they show up and I get, I get, I go take morning skate with Ottawa and I eat my meal and I get called in by the assistant general manager who had been hired like, start of the season i'd talked to him once in my life and he goes oh uh we've traded you to vancouver uh, and they gave me a trash bag and i went down the hallway and um oh, pierre, oh. You know, uh, pierre dorian general, was he a pierre, oh, pierre, yeah he didn't call me so hmm. didn't call didn't text left it up to his assistant gm so um there's ways to treat people in hockey and in life but in any case, I got sent down the hallway. I was on national TV in Canada with my trash bag walking down the hallway, and I had to dress for Vancouver that night. So I went back to the hotel, packed up the whole hotel that my family was in, and my kids are crying because they literally don't know when they're going to see me again at this point. You know, I've just spent two months apart. They're in Canada, and here I go. I don't know where I'm going. So back up for Vancouver, go to Montreal, back up, go to Toronto, get put on waivers, get claimed by Philly. <laughs> It just another two months. So ended up being away from my family for four months and it was just confirmation that it was the right time to stop. But thankfully when I got to Philadelphia, that organization was absolutely first class with us. I mean, they were two kids jerseys for my daughters waiting in my stall when I got there that had never been given to me by a team in my career with my name on them jerseys wow. ever once. And um, that really meant a lot to us. Cause we were like, I was in a dark place and I was, I was trying to play hockey in the NHL. That's the thing. It wasn't like I'm in this mental, like I've never been in a state like this before and I've got to perform. So 
um, it was nice when we finally all got together in, in Lehigh Valley at the end and we could at least ride out that last month and a half and just enjoy it and, and get to play, you know, one final game where my family was there, my parents, my daughters, my wife, and my longtime goalie coach and win the game in a shootout and call it quits. So <laughs> it was, yeah. it was a trying year, but it ended on the best note possible. So when you were traded to Vancouver and you, so your family is up there and all of a sudden you're traded. It sounds like a Mike Keenan move. You sure you like Mike Keenan wasn't like pulling the strings in, in, in Ottawa because it sounds like something he would do like a bread hole story. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, Mike McKenna's family come to see him. And then all of a sudden they decided to trade him. That sounds like something Mike Keenan would do. Oh, it wasn't a vindictive, <laughs> was vindictive thing in any way. They just, they knew that they could upgrade a position to goaltender, which I mean, I had, I knew all along that I probably wasn't who was intended to be there. I wasn't naive. There was a reason why I was in the hotel and, and why two provisions of the CBA were ignored of me finding housing in Ottawa. Um, so, you know, I knew that my time was going to expire with them at some point, but I did not expect to go back the other direction in a trade. That, right. that completely shocked me. I thought that, you know, I'd be going back to Belleville to continue in my role as a mentor there doing what I needed to do to, to help their players. And, um, but the bottom line is that like, it's business, right? And that's what I was told repeatedly. Um, so, you know, and it is, you know, you sign up for it and this stuff can happen. And that's just the reality of it. You know, it's, it's glitz and glamor, but there's an awful lot of things behind the scenes people don't realize and don't see. And people are just, frankly, they're unwilling to talk about it. So nobody ever sees it. Yeah, we uh, we want to talk to you in a little bit here about uh, the former Blues captain who just went to the Golden Knights. And mm -hmm. I think you can see why he asked for the deal he asked for because of something like this. You don't want to have to be uprooting your family and, and not seeing them, like you said, for four months, which is crazy. Um, now, is your family in St. Louis or are they do they join you when you go out to Vegas? No, they've stayed here, but it's it, when I go there, it's it's voluntary. Like I'm setting the parameters of when I go to work. It's very different than when you unwittingly do so. You know, mm. I know what I'm doing now. I set my schedule, and we're all it's good, right? And and it's with an eye to the future too. So, um, you know, we're not going to do this forever. We're going to be a, one family in one city here <laughs> very soon, right? Uh, that's the plan. And COVID has just changed everything, right? Our entire right. plan was to have our whole family together ASAP. And it's just, it's paused everything, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you can see why players that's, that's a bargaining chip is to get those new, no movement or no trade clauses, you know, for a reason, you know, if, if that's something that you can bargain for, you've earned it. And like for Alex Petrangelo, hundred percent, you're, he's one of the top four or five defensemen in the league, in the world right now. And if you're in that position, by all means, you should be going for anything you can. And, uh, and he was able to find what he wanted with Vegas. So i uh, got a couple comments here from uh, people on the YouTube chat. Jesse Hill, who we know is a, uh, one of the coaches of the uh, uh, Lady Cyclones out here in St. Louis. Um, he says, who's better, the Kirkwood Stars or the Merrimack Sharks? So Mike, what, what's your answer there? I think we know what your answer is. <laughs> this is like this is like an allegiance. This is like a loyalty test. <laughs> I don't. Need, I don't have to put my pom poms on for this. There's there's what forty different teams. Well, I'll tell you what. Right now, my daughter's my daughter's eight U team is only playing against Kirkwood teams. So 
how can I gauge this? But I don't know. We we did well against Merrimack. We always did, but we never beat Afton. I don't think I I literally don't think I a, a team I played on beat Afton once. Wow. Everybody else we did okay with. Could your could your Ottawa team have beaten Afton? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Would you have still faced 40 shots? <laughs> Would you have faced 40 well, shots? Yeah. Sh- let's not put that on personnel. I mean, <laughs> uh, some pretty good players there too, but, you know, it's... Uh, we kid. Yeah. 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 And I, only played, I only played the two years at Parkway South too. I left after June, sophomore year. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we ever beat CBC, but you guys can recruit. So I don't know how anybody ever beats CBC. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had people I think, chasing yeah. me to go to Desmet, like literally, like sending packages to my house, like please come play for Desmet. Like, Sorry, <laughs> that's not what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> what did uh, yeah, what did Paulie Walnut play for? Wasn't Bill? recruiting was when Bill I was C- there. Was he CBC? Paulie Walnuts, Paul uh, Stasky. He was Chaminade. No, he was Chaminade. Chaminade, that's right. Yep. Okay. Same so when he played at Chaminade, right. I played against him when he was at Chaminade, and so they had. Uh, I mean, yeah, Jordy Federico was playing there, and Chris Butler played there, Weidman played there, Stastny played there, Ben Bishop played there. At that time, they had a lot of people roll through at Chaminade. My, uh, what am I, real quick, uh, just a quick funny story I have about Ben Bishop. The year he was drafted, I was at Six Flags with one of my buddies who graduated with Bishop, and he looked over and he goes, hey, I know that guy, and I go, Oh yeah, that's uh, it was a water slide, uh, the one of the, the whatever the the big Kahuna is that what that's called there in Six Flags? I, I don't remember. Anyway, so we saw him and I go, yeah, that's Ben Bishop. He was just drafted by the Blues, and so he goes, yeah, that guy used to cheat off me in math class, and and I'm like, <laughs> really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that guy like the only reason he passed math was because he would always ask me the questions, and the guy's like nine foot tall, so I'm not gonna tell him no. And uh, so as he's like going down the slide, he goes, he goes, Hey, Ben Shamanad. And he turns around and he goes, thanks for the passing grade. And then he goes down the water slide and it was just beautiful. That's a great Ben Bishop moment. <laughs> well, you're, I hate to say it, but you're pegging Ben as a dummy and he's not, he's a really bright guy. Oh, he's smart. So no, like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Now, let me let me paraphrase that. That was one class. From what I hear, he was a very very yeah. smart kid. You know what's so funny is like ben, ben and I had the chance to play together twice. We played together in Binghamton after he was traded uh, in 2011, and then we played together in Dallas again down the road too. So that's pretty cool. I mean, having a you know, especially like two 30 something year old St. Louis goalies playing for the same team when I was with Dallas. That was really cool. Yeah, I bet that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so we want to talk. Uh, want to talk to you about a little bit right now. We already mentioned you were with the Golden Knights. Is uh, you're working as an analyst. Uh, before that, you played with the Las Vegas Ra- Las Vegas Wranglers of the ECHL, now defunct, uh, for a couple seasons. Um, you once were quoted, and and Curtin Bill. I don't know if you saw this part of the story that that I had read before. That uh, one night you guys were low on players, and you picked up guys at a rest stop. Is that a oh, yeah. true story? Yeah, that's pretty common in the ECHL. Like, you, you know, if you're out west in California and Bakersfield drops a couple guys off rosters and you're short and you're headed to Utah or wherever, you just you – all the other teams coach and you find out what rest area they're at and they've got their gear and they hop on the bus and it's like slap shot. And when they – you know, here's 
Here, there, where are the new boys? Well, they're in rest, <laughs> they're in rest area 35 on I-10. Uh, <laughs> you can tell because they've got a bag from their college team and about four sticks to their names. Uh, they brought yeah, their we, toys. We yeah, they brought their toys. Yeah. <laughs> they brought their fucking toys. Give me a grape or an orange and none of that stinking rut beer. Um, yeah, we picked up people on the side of the road. That's I've great. got I've, I got bus stories, man. We we lit one up on fire when I was in the American League in Portland. We sideswiped a Volvo on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge when I was playing for Norfolk. Yeah, spend enough time on the Iron Lung, you'll see some things that you can't unsee. <laughs> That's another show. That's a whole other show. <laughs> yeah, I was say we'll have you for uh, just stories from the rest stop is what we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That, you know, that, that could take a real dark turn. Let's move on from that. Uh, so, um, again, working for the Golden Knights, uh, most players that become analysts for the team, like, you know, you think of Bernie Federico here, uh, another St. Louis connection, Bryce Salvador in New Jersey, uh, doing a lot of studio work for them. Um, most players, uh, they play with the team that they're an analyst of, but because Golden Knights, you know, they've only been around for a couple of years, it's kind of hard for them to do that kind of thing. So, Obviously, they reach out to a guy like you who has interest in, in being an analyst. So I want to ask you, I mean, is it a strange situation to be an analyst for a fan base that you never technically played for? I know you played for the Wranglers, but is that a, is that a weird situation for you? No, not a bit. I, and I don't think it's it's kind of the same for everybody that's in the broadcast team for the Golden Knights. You know, we're all coming from different places. And myself coming in in the third year of the team's existence was a little bit different than some of that were on the original group. Um, Shane Knighty, who played in the NHL for a long time, is our color commentator on the live feed. Uh, they've got other people that have been involved in the game for a long time. And Shane's the only other player on our broadcast team. Um, but he didn't have a connection either, but we've built that, you know, and, and that's, it's such a new market that they know that they accept that you're not going to get ex golden Knights players that are going to be analysts right away. I mean, maybe you do it on the road, but you have the opportunity with a brand new franchise to grow with the team, you know? And for me, like, that's a really cool part of it is that I'm, I am now the studio analyst for the golden Knights, you know, then there's no backlash because I didn't play for the team. You know, it's still a very objective look. I'm right out of the league. Um, it's a really good fit in that way. Now, I mean, would it be different? Like, let's say I just suddenly, you know, picked up work with, well, with Vancouver. I mean, that would probably be a little bit strange for the fan base to look at and be like, this guy better be unbelievably good at what he's doing on air or else why are we putting him up here? You know what I mean? So it, you do need to have that connection a lot of times with fans to get the benefit of the doubt from them. And like Bernie, he's the hall of famer, you know? So it's like, and it, it, you have instant credibility and, and you're automatically a fan favorite when you're Bernie Federico, you, you have that report with the fans. Like so many people in St. Louis have, they've had a beer with Bernie out in town somewhere, you know, that happened a lot in the eighties and nineties and they have that connection. And, um, and that's kind of what we're still building in Vegas, which is so cool about it, is that we do get to do a lot of interaction when we're there. We get to meet people. We're in the community. Um, and, and even just walking into the rink, you know, you park at the parking garage and everybody's out front and, and smiling and hi, Mike. And, like, gosh, these people know my name. Like it's <laughs> It's weird. Like I get recognized more now than I ever did while I was playing, you know, and, and it's, it's super flattering and it's kind of strange, but I'm, I'm getting used to it, I guess, to just be on guard at all times because somebody wants to say hi and, and that's great. I encourage it. Like, uh, I wish people did that more when we were players, but 
it's it, it takes kind of a special mindset to do that though and i'm sure that's why i am doing what i'm doing because a lot of players don't want anything to do with that <laughs> right well you gotta you got um, a mask on when you play so that's probably yeah. why yeah yeah it is <laughs> you know I, mean, I flip it up between periods but sure. you don't see your face very often yeah although mike <laughs> i'm sure you're wearing a mask when you go out now right i mean it's the same thing I wear a mask when I play forward now because I have to keep my face looking good. I can't afford to have a high stick <laughs> and lose three teeth. You know, because, like, it's funny. Like, I, I always play men's league with my dad's group at Kirkwood I did for years. And I'd play forward, and I'd wear a half shield. It's, it's what I wore. And I'd wear it down and protect my face or whatever. But as a hockey player, and now I'm I'm on TV. So i gotta protect i gotta protect the assets man like i gotta keep my face looking good and uh which is just crazy i had to go out and buy a, a cage for my mask again like i was 16 but um i'm actually glad i have it on there now honestly i've kind of gotten past the macho aspect and it's why on earth am i not wearing this anyway it doesn't make any sense do you prefer to do you, do you do you prefer to play uh forward when you do men's league or you, would, i mean oh, it's yeah. not it's not fair to put you in net <laughs> no i don't want to play I don't want to play goalie. Sure. The no. only time I want to play goalie is if it's against NHL players, pro players, or if it's a charity, charity game. That's it. It's not fun for me to play beer league. It's not fun to just see breakaways. And it's there's the challenge of it is not the same as a real game, killing penalties, being in control, handling the puck. Like it's just different for me and it's not fun. So I I've kind of, I've lived my dream that way and, and playing forward is a blast. It's like a whole different sport for me. And, you know, up I, until COVID, up until COVID, I got to play hockey with my dad and my dad's, you know, 70 plus years old. Like that's unbelievable that I still get to play hockey with my dad. That is really cool. I, I, I play with a, a couple that a uh, couple people who play with their sons on like every Saturday or whatever. And I just hope that one day I'll be able to do the same thing with my eight year old, because that does sound like a lot of fun. But, but as you say that I, I look at bill, who never made the show. He never made the the big time. And you mentioned, <laughs> I don't want to play beer leagues. I don't want to face breakaways. And and it's like, yeah, Bill, you, uh, you've been there. You know what that's like. <laughs> and your own teammates lighten you up in warm-ups because, you know, they, they just don't care. Um, I mean, how many times... How many times can you get your bell rung and still play decent in the game, right? Well, Bill, Bill we, we, have to go, we have to go top shelf in warm-ups to practice. Yeah, yeah right. we got to be able to I hit it during the game. The, the respect factor hasn't gotten any better because now every kid that comes out at 20 thinks that they're going straight to the show and they're blowing their collarbones off. So, like, it got to be tedious in practice. Like, the older guys, you never worried about them because they would respect you, but – it's it's got it's changed though like young kids now it's not like it used to be where they'd go play the better part of three four years in the minors before they were nhl ready if you don't make the nhl by your second year pro like you're a bust now which is crazy and it's a little bit delayed for goaltenders a little delayed for defensemen but a forward man if you like if it's not the first two years like they you just can't handle it and you're what 22 years old really really are we writing people off that quick so and part of it's because younger players now are so much better than they ever were. They've had training since they were 10 years old, strength trainers, skill trainers, uh, better coaching. But it, it is also kind of unfair, too, that they are they have these crazy expectations on them and they feel like they have to go balls out every practice. And then it's like for the goalies, it's, it's not always a lot of fun to just eat pucks like that, shot after shot off your collarbones, because nobody shoots low in practice. <laughs> no, no, of course nobody. no, 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 no. 
80 percent of saves you make in games are with your pads and nobody shoots there in practice unless they're told to <laughs> like, which i yeah. and it was funny because I, I i learned that fairly early on i get chewed out by bill or or my cousin or whoever, whoever's playing net and i'm like okay all right i get it i get it now i understand come in you know warm-ups i'm shooting low i'm shooting pads i'm warming up the goalie i'm not necessarily warming up myself that's yeah, that's that right. was my mindset how it shifted yeah it's warm-ups, not light-ups. Right, right, right. That's that's what I used to always yell. <laughs> that's true. Um, preemptive, so it, preemptive to a stick yeah. boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> yep. In the YouTube chat, uh, Jesse Hill, our friend, also says, uh, headshot and warm-ups, yep, that is definitely something I've done on accident. So sorry every goalie I've ever played with. Uh, Jesse also says, uh, Mike, what uh, what type of forward are you? So I think he's looking for a position, and maybe are you a scorer? Are you a passer? What do you do? I'll have a deadly sniper. <laughs> Just put the, yeah, put yeah. Get me the puck and put your hands in the air. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you're no. being serious. <laughs> I, no, actually, I. I, I like to play center just because I like to skate. <laughs> um, I'm not a very good skater, but I like to skate. And no, I, I I can shoot. That's about all I can do. I do. I'm not a great skater. My vision's okay, but um, but just the game sense. It's amazing though. Even at playing at the highest level, like I still made passes in the NHL just with the goalie stick, right? So I still had to think the game at an NHL speed and NHL level in terms of moving the puck, and I can translate that when I play forward. So like, I mean, yeah, passing visions, it's not bad, but shooting though really was like when I was a kid, I'd go in the basement and just shoot pucks. It's what I loved. I, it wasn't because somebody was telling me to go do that to be better. I just loved going downstairs and shooting pucks and I would just do it endlessly as a kid. And that's the reason why I could handle the puck better than anybody else at 15, you know, and then everybody yeah. caught up to me by 20, <laughs> but I did, I could do it at a really young age because that's, it's what I enjoy, you know? And, um, it's part of the reason why kids now, like, I don't, I don't know if they find that same enjoyment in it as much as they do thinking it has to be work. And that's sad to me. That's yeah. interesting. You, you said you were, you said you're not a great skater, but I, I was always told by goalies in particular that goalies were the best skaters on the team because they were forced to do the drills with all their equipment on. Yeah. So but they, define that. that, that yeah. see, see, this is a, here's the, here's the thing. Like this is a, this is a phrase that's been parroted endlessly by coaches and nobody knows what the hell it means. Goalies have to be the best skater on the team. And they just leave it at that. Like, okay, <laughs> tell me more. Like define that. Tell me why. Tell me how. I don't know. They just have to be the best skater on the team. Well, does it, I mean, as a kid, when I'm eight years old, I think that that means I have to beat everybody to the blue line when we're skating mountains in practice. And that's wrong. Like it, really, you cannot compare goalie skating to out skating, like forward defensive skating. You can't do it. They are it's completely different. Do you have to know your edges incredibly well? Absolutely. Do you have to be powerful? Yes. Do you have to start and stop quickly? Yes. Do you have to stride? Not really. You know? Do you have to hockey stop? No. So um, you have to be the best goalie skater. <laughs> but nobody knows how to teach a goalie how to do that. You know, go do crossovers around the circle. That's useless for a goalie. You know, so, you, you might as well tell him to go make a snowman in the corner. <laughs> so basically, you have to you have to out you have to try your, your competition. Or you're not your competition, but your your barometer is your your goalie partner during drills and skating uh, drills. I, I think I think either Bill told me the story or Bill Jeff told me the story 
your when you guys were when you a goalie tandem there for a while in Kokia, uh, yeah, where you had an agreement during drills, <laughs> you would just kind of like hang together a little bit and not make the other work too hard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. If you're standing yeah, up another night, we've mean, been there before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, you're spot on with that. You know, the, the, the coach is saying that, you know, it's, it's a hockey truism that's uh, espoused by, you know, guys that never played goal and, you know, never understood how unimportant that, you know, doing, you know, doing the crossover drills was to us. I mean, it just, it didn't make sense. Just let me go work around the crease. Yeah. Like you, you have to be precise and you, and you have to be starts and stops and no one ever taught me how to skate as a goalie. Literally nobody in St. Louis ever taught me how to skate as a goalie. And when I got drafted by Nashville, never forget Mitch Korn. The first thing he said to me he goes, Mike, you're a big man, but you can't skate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez, I, <laughs> Mitch, I didn't really expect that out of and, uh And he was right, though. Like, I, I went to skate with a guy named Chris Economo who put me through the ringer, learning how to actually skate like a goalie. I'd never done it before. And that, by the end of my career, by early in my career, it was one of my biggest strengths. I ended up being a really good goalie skater because I found somebody to teach me how to skate like a goalie. And like Bruce Racine now is a great example. He does phenomenal work in terms of teaching people how to skate, how to use your edges. Um, but you have to know exactly what that means. And it's, it's just one of those crutches, right? Like you just say, oh, goalie's got to be the best skater. Well, you have to be the best goalie skater. <laughs> um, Mike, we've gone way over on time that I told you. Um, I do have one more question for you if you're willing to hang out and stay up a little bit longer sure. with us. Um, so obviously you're an analyst for the Golden Knights, so you know a lot of what's going on. We're not asking for any insider information. We're asking more for your opinion. Uh, The Knights obviously just signed Alex Petrangelo. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Um, Knights had to move Stastny and uh, Nate Schmidt in order to make room for him. But it looks like they're going to have to shed some more salary. Um, What do you see? I mean, again, I'm not asking for any insider information, but in your mind, what do you see them doing to be able to make sure they're under the cap by the start of the next season? Well, it's not a whole lot right now. I, I, I think that they're, you probably have the number in front of you, but I know it's under $2 million. So um, there's definitely some cap gymnastics that you can do without having to really retool your lineup if you have to in that instance. And the reality of it too is that when you get closer to a season, you never know who's going to be using IR in any way. And that's a reality. So um, I wouldn't expect any more major roster moves. I, you never know what can happen. Um, but from all the calls, from all the talk from uh, general manager Kelly McCrimmon, from uh, from head coach Pete DeBoer, they basically said this is the team we think we're going to have, which I would expect to. Um, but it's definitely a different cha- – it's a different face in Vegas right now. You know, moving Stastny creates some uncertainty at the center position. They've got a couple of young prospects, Peyton Krebs, Cody Glass, who they're hoping can take that step and be a young guy on an entry-level contract to be able to jump up and grab that role. They've got quite a few guys that can play center. Uh, I'm not sure how many are pure centermen. So there's there's a bit of a question mark there. I'm sure they looked at Stastny's contract and thought, you know what, we love what he did. He produced as we expected, but we also know that there's one year left. Um, what are we going to get compared to if we promote a young kid? So there's a bit of that going on. Um, but on the back end, it's a big hit to lose Nate Schmidt. 
Um, if they could have added Petrangelo and kept Schmidt, I'm sure that would have been preferable. That would have been a dynamite uh, tandem in top five, six, even at that point. So it, it's tough to do that. But on paper, they're a better team with Petrangelo. I mean, you've got Petrangelo and Shea Theodore, who I believe are top. I already said I think Petrangelo is a top four or five defenseman in the league. I think Shea Theodore is knocking on the door too. Uh, anybody that watched him in playoffs, Shea Theodore, Miro Heiskanen, uh, Quinn Hughes, you saw what these young defensemen that are mobile puck movers can do. So that tandem's really enticing, Petrangelo, Theodore. Um, and I think on paper they're better. Again, question marks down the middle, center, do they have enough? And then two, just, you know, what's the chemistry going to be like? You lost two big important pieces of your, of your locker room there. Will it come together quick? Will Petro be able to respond to a new team that he's never changed before? Um, that's real. No matter how good of a player you are, sometimes it's tough. Look at Joe Pavelski in Dallas. You know, it took him half a season to get going there, and it ended up paying off in playoffs, right? So um, interesting stuff for sure in Vegas land, but the team's always always willing to go for it. And if, if you're a fan of a team, man, like wouldn't you rather, rather you were going for it <laughs> than just oh, sitting sure. pat on so you yeah. got to appreciate their aggressiveness. And, and in talking to some people I know who are Vegas fans, um, they're, you know, that, like you just said, their biggest question is, are we actually better? Is this, and, you know, you look at what they just did. They just went to the conference final uh, with the Dallas Stars and, and put up a great fight against them. Um, is this the thing? I mean, again, obviously hockey, we all know things change very quickly. Um but in your mind, if if they have an Alex Petrangelo on the ice, if they have the, the hopefully the chemistry that they think they're going to have with Petro, do they beat the Dallas Stars? Are they a Stanley Cup contender this upcoming season? Well, I, I think it would have been a very different outcome or outlook against the Dallas Stars if they had somebody like Petrangelo, mostly for the fact that he's right-handed. And the Golden Knights only had one right-handed defenseman in Zach Whitecloud. He was their number five, six guy. He didn't play a ton of uh, of five on five minutes. Played a lot in penalty kill. And to Dallas's credit, their assistant coach John Stevens went to work during the pause and hammered in on how to beat Vegas and dialed it. And they they realized that we have to pressure the defenseman that's on his off wing, that's on his offside. And they did that relentlessly. When Theodore and Martinez were out there, they pressured Martinez like crazy. And Vegas wasn't able to break out as cleanly as possible as they had previously get through the neutral zone like they had before against other teams. Dallas stifled them. And if you've got Petrangelo, who's on his proper wing, Theodore on the other side, it changes the whole dynamic. So I think adding that piece would have made a huge difference for them without question. Um, but they've got to be able to convert too, right? They just The bottom line is they just they scoring dried up. So um, I, I do think it, it definitely does strengthen and makes them div more diverse on the back end as well. Um, you just put me right well, back I, into my broadcaster mode there. So thank you again for no, giving me a little repetition help. I love it. <laughs> I haven't been no, able to do no, much. I, you, are, you are more than welcome to join us every week if you want to get back into broadcaster mode. It can be in the analyst mode. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've loved having you on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, Mike, I want to ask you, well, actually, let me go ahead and open it up to Bill and Kurt. Um, I was going to go ahead and let Mike talk about his other projects, like his podcast. But if you guys have any other questions for Mike, um, go ahead before we let him go. I'm, I'm good. I think, uh, I think Jeff, you did a fine job of covering everything I was curious about. Thank I do you. what I do. Yeah. I do what no, I do. You do you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you did well. 
Thank you. No, Thank you. No That's goalie nerd questions. I can't believe it. I thought, Bill, I thought you'd have something really super goalie nerd coming at me here. <laughs> yeah, uh, what's, what's a good goalie yeah. nerd question? Put me on the spot now. I, I've I just mean, been sitting a, back enjoying right this. this goalie. Is... <laughs> he's a full right goalie. You got to have something for him, right? I I should have, but you know I've just been sitting back and enjoying this. This has been one of my favorite shows we've ever done, quite honestly. <laughs> I mean, just you know, getting to listen to a guy that followed the path that I always wanted to follow. You know, growing up playing hockey in St. Louis and wanting to get to you know get to professional hockey and then get into broadcasting. You know what? My my ten year old self is just in awe of Mike McKenna because that's that was the path I wanted. So well, I got pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, and and I'll say we're you know I feel you know just absolutely grateful for you to come on and spend some time with us this evening. Happy so to. thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry it took so long. We had to punt a couple times, but uh, you know, like guys, like I. I I hope people in St. Louis realize this, just how much it's grown and changed here now, that there's no glass ceiling to young players in this city any longer. And my draft class in 2002, that was Cam Jansen, myself, Jason Cossett, and Jan Stastny. There were four of us. And that, that had never happened. There had been four players ever in the existence of St. Louis youth hockey drafted before we had that happen. And we helped. And then we had five first-rounders. And now we've got more than you know 20 people that have played in the NHL. We've had Stanley Cup winners. So this is really cool. And, and I still have a ton of pride to my, for my hometown. Uh, and a lot of it's rooted in the fact that my grandpa was one of, you know, 10 people that had to drive to Springfield, Illinois to, to play hockey on a rink with boards, you know, like founding fathers in this city. And if he had been alive to see, you know, the Blues win the cup, and if he had been alive to see Brandon Bolig win a Stanley Cup and myself play in the NHL, like, it's pretty amazing to think about, you know, and, and the community that we've built up now is just amazing. Like sitting here talking to you guys, like we could go on and on about memories at the, at the Keel center, at the old arena, how it used to sway, how, when the, when the Blackhawks showed up, you knew there was going to be fights in the stands and you, you had to have your head on a swivel. How you know, it smelled, the, how it smelled. The, the oh stale beer and the sticky yeah. floors, you know, like we can go through all it's these, the, the, rink, sink. The, cat, the rink cats, you know, <laughs> like you'd see them bombing around the base. <laughs> <laughs> so like it, i i really appreciate you guys having me on because you know it, it means a lot to me this city does what what hockey's happened and accomplished and um just really cool you know walking into centene this past year and seeing that they've got all of us that have made the nhl was just like a like you know kind of like a heart you know it's heartstring moment man like it's really really cool i i just i know there's a lot more coming and that's amazing Dude, even even for me, who never obviously even smelled the NHL, to see, like you said, at Centene, to see all the list of the players who made the NHL from St. Louis. I mean, that is, that's an accomplishment for our city, and to see that, yeah. and to be able to celebrate that, and not only just make the NHL, but have good NHL careers. I mean, you had a great, you know, I know you wanted, you you probably, I've heard you joke about it. But, like, you had a great professional career. Paul Stastny obviously has had an excellent career. Um, you know, we're seeing so many guys right now. I mean, the Kachucks 
good lord, they're going to have great careers. They were 13 uh, year old pipsqueak shooting at my goalie camp, and Brady ends up being my teammate in Ottawa. You know, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable to see these guys yeah. turn into what they've turned into. So it's 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 definitely a celebration piece for all of us in St. Louis. I mean, again, I I've played hockey my whole life, never going to smell the NHL, but seeing that it's it's definitely brings a lot of pride to to everybody who's ever even touched the sport. Yep, hundred uh, percent. And to take just take that a step further too, like what's going on in Vegas is the same thing. It's ground floor now, and ten years from now, you'll see players in the NHL. 15 years from now in the NHL from that city. Like just the growth of the games game is really cool because it was a niche sport when we were kids. And now yep. it's, it's really become much more mainstream amongst children, which is just awesome. Makes me happier and can be that I, I can look around my neighborhood and see, you know, kids playing street hockey and playing for Kirkwood and just amazing, man. Yep. That was something for me. I mean, again, COVID with the, uh, the quarantine that we had here in South County uh, just a couple months ago, seeing kids down the street playing hockey in the street and then, you know, driving a, a further a couple further blocks and there's other kids playing hockey. I mean, for me, it was, it was me and my group of friends and we played street hockey and we were the only kids in all the yeah. St. Charles area that were seemed to be playing. Now it's all over and it's, it's something to definitely celebrate. Yeah, um, really Mike, uh, I want to give you some time real quick here uh, before we let you go to mention uh, you've got a great podcast, and, and it's a shame we haven't mentioned it yet. I don't know how often you've updated it. I'll, I'll admit I haven't listened in a while, but your Six Degrees of Mike McKenna is your podcast. Um, how can people find you? What can they hear uh, when, you, uh, when you have your new episodes? Yep. Six degrees with Mike McKenna. There will be more of those coming. Um, laid off on it a little bit during the season this year for obvious reasons. And um, frankly, I was trying to find some sponsorship for it. <laughs> so um, I was a one man band producing, recording, doing everything. Uh, Six degrees with Mike McKenna. You can find it on any streaming platform. They're all on there. Had some amazing guests from, you know, Jamie McLennan, Olaf Kolzig, Domeno Rayom. Um, really, really cool stuff. Uh, and then other stuff, I'm all, I, all my socials are at Mike McKenna 56, uh, during the season, especially in playoffs, I've got a handle on Twitter that I use. It's McKenna in game and I'll live tweet games. That's a lot of fun, super interactive and, uh, not fully announced yet, but we'll be going live. I'm actually going to be doing actual goalie coaching virtually through 44 vision hockey, which is run by Rob Shrimp, who's an old teammate of mine and one of the most skilled players I've ever seen in pro hockey. And I'm going to be coming on board with them to do some goalie coaching. So that's another avenue that I'm exploring. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, but the main gig is Vegas. And you can find us on AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain West for all the Vegas Golden Knights games. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to be a host, you know, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to learn from my, uh, my cohorts here. But yeah, that's me. Uh Man, it's weird to hear Rob Schrempf. I always think Robbie Schrempf when I hear his name. Uh, junior, a very big junior, great. He was a uh, he was he had some great years. So good to hear you're partnering with him. Uh, so definitely take a everybody who's uh, interested in any kind of goaltending, coaching. Uh, Mike McKenna fifty six. You said uh, I'm sorry. You said McKenna in game is your McKenna other Twitter. Game is my that's my live Twitter handle, and I use that one so that I don't clog up people's timelines. I don't want to use my regular one. If you really want the the dirty goalie details, follow that one. 
but my regular one and on Twitter and Insta is at Mike McKenna 56. And it's not all hockey. It's pretty eclectic and goofy and kind of my personality. <laughs> no, that's, that's what we love. Hey, you're a goalie. All goalies are goofy, right, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> that's well, what you're a boy here. we're creative that's what it is i'm dead i that's really what it that is. conclusion people say weird we're just creative man we're the art <laughs> kids of hockey. damn straight mike we really appreciate you coming on and and again we uh and you mentioned your podcast i'll i'll bring this up to you in an email but you've got us if you ever need help with your podcast we're always willing to help um because you do a great job there and obviously do a great job covering the golden knights so thank you very much for coming on the show today and um we look forward to uh following your career post hockey yeah thanks for having me it was a blast and next time the golden knights and the blues get together maybe we can rehash this and do a preview or a post game that'd be a lot of fun oh that'd be fun sounds, sounds great to me Absolutely. appreciate it thanks buddy all right. all right guys thanks again thanks for your time mike thank you. thanks I'm telling you, you better be prepared because when I yank it out, everybody in that audience, with the exception of my wife, is going to be running for the exits. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins while grooming. And by pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code LGB. Make your balls a priority this fall. And that was our sponsor, Manscaped. So uh, you guys, the last few shows, we talked about them. Um, if you haven't checked them out, please check them out. Manscaped.com, promo code LGB. You get 20% off and free shipping. Um, fantastic company. Uh, if you don't want to, you know, if you want to take care of yourself downstairs, please check them out. Help us out. Take care of your balls. This fall, right? Right, Bill? That's right. That's Jeff nice. Jeff has gone to take care of his balls he is. right now. I can I can He's hear the buzzing. I can hear the I buzzing hear in the background too. right now. He's an in-game shave. Yeah. Uh, definitely definitely take advantage of that promo code. I mean, just if you go to the store, you go to Target, look at the shelf and see the price there. And maybe Manscaped doesn't want us to talk about this, but um you can get significant discount. By using that LGB, so, so it's it's no brainer. Twenty percent off. And it's gift season too. It is. It's it, gift I mean, season. It's it's. I mean, I actually bought some stuff on Manscaped for gifts. So um, yeah, and get ahead of the game. Who who doesn't like to have a lot of their shopping done for Christmas before, like November or like the first week or two of November to be done with like some of your shopping? That's fantastic. Right, especially this year because it's what what are they calling it? Like ship Mageddon because everybody's <laughs> buying online this year. No one wants to go out in the public and shop. That's a good point. So yeah, online, yeah, yeah manscaped.com. Um, it'll help us out. And our LGB promo code promo uh, only it's for a limited time only. So uh, the first week in November, I believe it ends. So uh, take advantage of that while you can, please. It'll help us out. It'll help you out. Everyone wins. Win-win. I will only add one thing to this, and I've been here the whole time. I don't know what they're talking about, podcasters who can't yeah. see the camera. Um, <laughs> I was here the whole time. They're crazy. Um, 
I'm not going to show everything here, but I will say I get a weird patch of hair, like right here, typically. And and don't worry, everybody, I'm not showing balls. It's 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 uh, it's right above the nip. And and uh, I use the lawnmower 3.0, and it takes about three minutes, and it's completely gone. It's comfortable, like we've said before. There's no nicking. There's no scraping. It's just yeah, just use it like an electric shaver on your face, and it's 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 does wonders, and you don't have to worry about any kind of rash or anything afterward, especially with any of the lotion you get from Manscaped. They do a great job, and and I can't speak highly enough of our sponsor. The uh, their ceramic blade with the advanced skin safe technology uh, helps reduce the grooming accidents quite a bit. So it is it is designed for this kind of a thing. So it's designed for men. Uh, who don't want to screw around? Don't 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 mess around with your with your uh, manly parts. Do it the right way. Who wants to use a facial shaver elsewhere anyway? That's not that's not cool. Don't do it. Who does? That's not it's not made for that. Nah. <clears throat> um. So uh, I just want to add one thing real quick. I didn't want to tell this story with Mike on the air, but uh, real quick, I have a Kay Whitmore story. He mentioned Kay Whitmore. Um. When we were in the media, former Hartford we, Whaler, Kay Whitmore, former Hartford Whaler and Vancouver Canuck, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. So Kay Whitmore is the, uh, he's, he's a member of the NHL now, uh, the NHL, um, what do you call that? I guess disciplinary committee or whatever. And um, they, uh, so he was in town. Uh, coming in town, it was pretty obvious to the media. They were we were all told like a week in advance. Okay, Whitmore's going to be here if you have questions for him. We actually convinced one of the media members that Kay Whitmore was the first female goalie to ever play in the NHL, which we all know was actually <laughs> made in Rayon. Rayon. Uh, yeah, that's funny. And and so we convinced this guy that. And and again, I don't want to <laughs> share any names. And this guy was like, oh, great. That's awesome. Oh, he came up with like a page worth of questions to ask Kay Whitmore about playing against NHL players as a woman. So obviously that that morning with the uh, pregame, the, uh, the, the, the pregame skate, whatever that's called, the uh, what am I? I'm drawing a blank here. The, the morning skate. Uh, he's talking about how he's got these great questions. And Kay Whitmore is supposed to be there in like an hour. And we're like, dude, we got to tell you, we were messing with you. Kay Whitmore's a man. Like we, we just figured you were gonna look it up. He and wouldn't have figured that out when he when he does. met the man. <laughs> well, yeah, but we wanted to like make sure he actually had real questions prepared. So we we went ahead and told him, and he oh he was very mad at me and the other man who did this. But then so very that appreciative that you actually did come clean. No, he was never appreciative, oh, okay. which I don't well, blame him. We waited know. to the last minute to tell him. I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, rapid fire tidbits from around the NHL. Uh, beloved Edmonton sports figure Joey Moss passed away at age 57 on Monday. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'd heard the name. I told you guys this. I'd heard the name, but I wasn't familiar with the story behind uh, Joey Moss. Uh, he was a locker room attendant for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, had been that since eighty forty five, um, and the Edmonton football team uh, was, was great friends with Wayne Gretzky. Uh, he helped uh, staff with such tasks as uh, filling water bottles, laundry for the team, 
and uh, equipment duties. So, uh, but he became more than an attendant over the years by providing inspiration to the uh, Edmonton Oilers locker room. He was inducted into the Alberta Horse Sports Hall of Fame in 2015. And uh, uh, former Edmonton Oilers captain Andrew Ference told CBC News that Moss was a legend in Edmonton and news of his death was devastating. So uh, for those who did not know, uh, he passed away, what was it, on uh, Monday, Tuesday? What's it? Jeff? Monday. It was Monday. Monday? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the hockey world is mourning his loss. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that I've actually followed. So, you know, people that know me know that I, I have a, a child with Down syndrome. Uh, he's eight. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of concerns about what his future is going to be like. But even before I had my son, um, I actually followed Joey Moss. And I told you guys this, that um, there was a Gretzky documentary where they mentioned Joey Moss back when Gretzky, I think, was still playing or maybe had just retired. And I, I was that the ultimate Gretzky documentary? It might have been ultimate Gretzky. If that was ultimate Gretzky, it was, it was a few years after he retired when they made that. And John Davidson was the yep. one that was like interviewing him the whole yep. time. Yeah, I'm pretty I have sure it. that's what it was. I have. Yeah, it, yeah, so do I. Yeah. So I got to know his name then, and I thought it was impressive. And I thought, man, this kid is, uh, well, you know, kid, because this was, they talked about him when he was in the 80s. And I thought, man, that's impressive. This kid's, you know, become such an inspiration for the Oilers. And, and, um, then I had my son, and, and I told you guys this, and I'm, it sounds weird, but it's true. When I first learned that Shay had Down syndrome, he was the first, I guess, celebrity that I thought of. I thought, because, you know, my wife and I are kind of reeling and thinking, okay, you know, what are we going to do? What's his future going to be like? And I'm like, I even told her, I go, there's a kid in Edmonton who became best friends with Wayne Gretzky and is beloved in Canada. And it's just become such an inspiration for so many people. I'm like, that can be our son. And I have, I have thought about that so many times. So when I saw this news, it was very devastating to me because to me, I mean, like I said, my son's eight, so he's not really an inspiration for him yet, but he's an inspiration for me, for my son. And I, I wanted to just kind of share um, something Wayne Gretzky actually said recently. Um, he said uh, he gave parents hope. Parents who had kids that are mentally challenged saw Joey Moss living a relatively normal life, fitting into society and being accepted as a regular person. And I think that gave parents of kids with handicaps a great deal of hope. And um, he's 100% right. Um, Joey Moss, again, inspiration more for my son, but, but for me too. It's proof that whatever you put your mind to, whatever you want to do, whatever dreams you have, you can accomplish. And it's obvious that Joey loved what he did every day up until the day he died. He loved being a part of the Oilers organization. So seeing him go um, kind of struck me more than most celebrity deaths do. Um, but, um, you know, it's great to see him so celebrated. I mean, teams all over the NHL have sent condolences to the Oilers. And um, he, it just shows the, the lasting impact he truly had on the sport. You mentioned the uh, <clears throat> Ultimate Gretzky documentary, and I, I, we talked about this uh, yesterday, I think, and or two days ago, um, and how it, 
it, it, the title of the documentary is a bit uh, maybe misleading in, in a sense that um, <laughs> uh, the blues are not mentioned and the trade to St. Louis is not mentioned at all or even referenced or hinted at even in the entire documentary. The thing is like an hour and 45 minutes long. And is it is there is not a mention of him playing in St. Louis at all until the very end when the credits are rolling. There's a video montage with the credits rolling up the screen and it shows him scoring his first goal as a blue uh, amongst amongst a bunch of other videos. That's it. That's the against only other. Against Kirk McLean. Against Kirk McLean, Vancouver, right. And that's, that's it. Kay Whitmore was backup. Boom! Was he? You, I don't know. Maybe you're right. It might have been. 96? Let me look. Uh, uh, the female goaltender, right? Yeah. Her. <laughs> <laughs> that girl. That girl. But so, yeah, I, I, I was watching. And when we talked about this the other night, I was like, oh, I haven't watched that in a while. I'll watch it again. So I had it on the background. And I'll be damned. When it got to the point where uh, uh, he was, his, 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 they moved from the, his 802. Goal number 802 in LA, uh, the record-breaking goal to break Howe's record, I think it was 802, uh, to, uh, and they talked about, boom, going to the Rangers. They didn't mention anything about time in St. Louis. There is so much to talk about. The 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 Keenan situation, playing with Brett Hall, playing with Tikkanen, Anderson, some former Oilers, you know, the Iserman goal from the blue line where Gretzky was directly involved in that goal. It's just so much they could have talked about and nothing. Nothing. Not a single word. I was disappointed. A little mad, actually. Does it does uh, it bother Corey you guys Hirsch. at all? Does it bother you? Oh, Corey, Corey Hirsch, Hirsch was the backup. Yep. Does it bother you guys at all when anybody references Gretzky's tenure and they fail to mention the cup of coffee with the blues? At all? Like you're slighted? Not, not not anymore. Not anymore? Yeah. It bugs yeah. me. It's like, you know what, be be thorough. It, be thorough, be accurate, or don't do it at all. It bugged me like when when I was younger because it was like, dude, that's a big part of the blues. Like for us, it was a huge deal. But outside of us, like nobody fucking cared. It was but three months. I, I understand the longevity of it not being a big deal. But man, there's so much they could have talked about. This is a documentary mm -hmm. on his life in, in the NHL. There's a lot of stuff in a short amount of time that happened to him here. You know what I mean? With Keenan and Hall yeah. and the former Oilers being brought in, it's just a lot of a lot of stuff they get talked about. But but again, that's that's to us, that's to Blues fans, that's a big deal, right? But is that a big deal outside just, of St. Louis? To Gretzky, it is. Well, that's is that's it? what I wonder though. Is it <laughs> is it how much editorial you know control did he have over the thing? He's like, ah, don't worry about St. Louis. I shouldn't have gone there. I, I mean. Well, I mean, he, he's he's got a house here. I mean, yeah. we have to tell that right every time we bring up his name. He's got a house here. <laughs> That's true. Is it and, is it that uh, is, they used that to to sell it on? Uh, is that what Bob Plager said to Tori Krug this week? Uh, Gretzky's got a house here. Pronger's got a house here. We don't know where Brett Hull is. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was great. Who doesn't love Plager? My God. Um, no, I, and that's true. It could have been part of the initial thing and it, and it got cut out. Um, but still, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that it's not just, it's not just as blues fans. It's, you know, it's the Eisenman goal tie-ins, the, the series against the Red Wings about how the Red Wings were this juggernaut and the blues, you know, took them to the brink, 
you know, it's just, I, I, I thought, you know, that, that, that was, that, that's intriguing stuff. I mean, hell, NBC sports and whoever the fuck wants to play NHL playoff highlights always plays the goddamn Irishman goal. So it, people like it. It's Detroit. It's hockey town. So I, 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 I think, and maybe it's me making more of it than it is. I just, it, and I feel a bit of a slight to St. Louis, which it was, uh, maybe that's what it is, but anyway, I, I it just kind of like, I was waiting for a St. Louis reference that never came. So, you know, that's kind of like, eh, that was kind of deflating at that moment. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, I, I think there's something too, you know, just to that era of the blues in that, that the Iserman goal, I mean, it's it's behind us oh. now because we finally won our cup, but you know when the Blues won the cup, of you know a friend of mine who I kind of lost touch with sent me an email out of the blue, and you know was, I recanted the night that we like that that night I was hanging out with her and a couple other friends, and and just the heartbreak like it was so vivid still, the heartbreak of that goal and you know the the questions immediately coming oh is is gretzky you know did we see all of gretzky here so it's it's important to us because it was an emotionally scarring moment in our lives as blues fans uh so of course we feel slighted i yeah i i get it and 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 it's the the inferiority complex uh syndrome that blues fans had for so long before winning a cup and it's you know that's kind of gone now which thank fucking god a lot of that stuff but yeah i get it uh, so the Dallas Stars announced today that they are uh, they're going to wear laser tag jerseys um, <laughs> as a third jersey um, this season. <laughs> Neon green, glow in the dark green, um, and and I this is the only way Radulov gets to be a model for anything as ugly as he is. If you cover his face up with half a blast shield from Star Wars, right in the in the in the pictures <laughs> I sent out. Um, who looked? Who I thought was Ovechkin when I first saw that. I was like, "Why is Ovechkin?" Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. I'm still. I'm My still not convinced thought. it's not Ovechkin. <laughs> it, maybe it is. I don't know. He's all over the place. Um, he likes to, anything for a buck. He'll promote, right? But um, he, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's got that that dark half shield, like it's a, he's out of a, a, a sci-fi flick, and uh, it looks like uh, from the nose down, it looks like uh, Ovechkin, but it's a uh, apparently Reginald, Yo, you obviously. Know, you know what Reginald. it reminds me of? It reminds me of A New Hope when uh, Luke is uh, uh, fighting the thing yes. that's like shooting the darts at him, and he has the drone, like, yeah, the the, the 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 yeah, the, yeah whatever it's called, yeah. He's the yeah. the old fighter helmet. That's yes. what that reminded me of. That's where the that's where my comment came from. Star Wars. Yeah. So exactly. So some so yeah. so I was I was curious to see how this kind of played out in social media. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't. Uh, social media comments. A few of them. Hey, marketing team. I'd love it if we could see the jersey from space. Okay. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, also another one is, uh, these make y'all look like traffic cones. Didn't get that one whatsoever. Traffic cones are orange, but okay, whatever. Um, another one is, uh, those are off the hook. I'm a St. Louis blues fan and still want one of these. That doesn't say too much because a lot of blues fans like the clown jerseys that we brought back from last year. So, well, to uh, be fair, that was Jesse Hill. To be fair. Was, to be fair. Did he really? <laughs> no, he, he did say. Jesse did say in the chat that he likes them. He likes them. I he, he I, likes them. You know why he likes them though? Do you know why he likes them? Because they're in your face. 
They are similar to the Lady Cyclones here in St. Louis. Okay. But the only thing is to me, and this I told him this on Twitter, that the neon green, it's not quite as neon on the Lady Cyclones. Cyclones. If they use the same color that the Lady Cyclones are using, I think I might have a different opinion on it. But it's just it's too bright. It's too much. You know, um, I don't. I don't have a picture queued up to show uh, the YouTube folks. But if you do a search for, I don't know, Dallas Stars neon jersey, you'll probably find it. Uh, it's. But oh, uh, follow Jeff over on uh, uh, J Potter ninety four, and I will show you. Okay, so uh, and I the the jersey design, um, I think is fine. You know, it's not like some kind of goofy layouts on the jersey. Uh, personally, I could have done without the outline of texas behind the d with the star but whatever uh i think it would be better without that but uh, yeah i think the uh, it's it's not it's not at least the uh composition of the jersey is not uh hideous but i think uh the neon aspect of it um is probably hit or miss with people so i, I actually you know what to be honest if they would turn the lights off during uh, uh when they take the ice before a game and they would go in the dark i think i'd love it That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. We'll have to see. If, if that, I agree th with that. If they actually go in the dark, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. That'd be the first glow in the dark NHL jerseys, right? I mean, if they do glow in the dark. See, and Puck Guy fourteen adds here uh, for an alternate jersey. I can deal with it. Don't overuse it. I read that you're going to use it for fourteen to fifteen games this year. Oh, are you kidding? That many? I don't know. I don't know. I think oh. that might be. Unconfirmed. That's too many. Somebody <laughs> said on Twitter that's. I think they're associated with the stars said 14 to 15 games for that jersey i'm thinking and six that is tops way too much six I'm tops three, three well the blues the blues did their throwback uh 90s clown jerseys three times which well i think supposed to be three times well it was supposed to be. Time was right didn't happen yeah because of covid but that that was a good number we talked about that, and Bernie Federico chimed in and said the same thing. He's like, yeah, these are fun for a few games, but that's about it. <laughs> Friend of the show. Bernie Friend of the show, Federico. Bernie Federico. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, did you guys feel like McKenna was trying to take away from us that you know we aren't the only people that have had a beer in St. Louis with Bernie Federico? Right. I felt like. I, w I wanted to chime I, in. No, it's a special moment. Either, either that or he, he's, he's uh, you know, like almost uh, subtweeting us saying, you know, he's listened to the show before. Bring that up. <laughs> I, he, I, uh... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that the, the jersey itself was uh, apparently modeled after the Dallas skyline at night because they have some, a, a one in building in particular, uh, might be the tallest building downtown uh, is, and I'm not sure the name of it is outlined in neon green uh, during I guess game nights or maybe all the time. I don't know, but uh, so, and it's modeled. They want to, they wanted to incorporate that into the Jersey. So they, they did. They, it is not just random. Hey, let's do glow in the dark. It was for that particular reason. So that's kind of cool. I just don't like the look, um, but I'll, I, I wanted to add to Bill's comment, though, about uh, I will say the minute, and this was before the show started, the minute Mike McKenna joined us, he did hold up his vest soda and said, I have a drink of the show, too, guys. So yep. it probably is that he's probably seen the show before. Yeah. Well, he's he's got he's good taste, right? 
Right. He's a professional. He did his research. And that's what we appreciate about him. <laughs> that's what you appreciate about him? Uh, there are many things, but no. Um, okay. On the Dallas jersey, um, I was going to say, looking at the aesthetics blog, um, they they brought up that um, the same color scheme was used in the 2015 uh, All-Star jerseys in Columbus. Um, there's a picture of Stamkos and Dowdy wearing them uh, on their blog. So not really? the first time they've been used, but okay. first time it's going to be shoved down our throat. <laughs> uh, speaking of jerseys, um, I don't know if you guys – page down i added this during the show because eric sent us a couple of uh concept blues jerseys for the reverse retro uh so i'll Ooh. i will i will whoa so if yeah. you can yeah yeah i like the white ones which you haven't shown yet i those yes. the okay so what we're showing right now folks it's a um it's a yellow it's basically a yellow jersey with the blue shoulders. I don't like that one one bit. I mean, first of all, I will say thank you, Puck Guy 14, for sending those over. That's huge. And I got a cat in my way. I'm sorry. Let me uh move his ass. Cat's ass. Um <laughs> but uh, um yeah, the uh the yellow jersey, I just I don't we talked about this last week. I'm just not a fan of stop messing with my camera, fucker. Um, <laughs> I just don't think there's many yellow jerseys that have gone over well. No, I, you know what? Honestly, I think if if uh, they'd have to wear blue pants with these, okay? Yeah. So I think blue pants would not be as bad. Maybe I, you gotta. I mean, I, I don't then know. There's the temptation to wear a yellow helmet. Don't no, do that. No, 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 no yellow helmet. That. And I guess you wear blue so or yellow socks too, but that's yeah, it's a lot of yellow. Uh, too much yellow is not going over well too well. And this is not a knock on Eric's uh, uh, design. No. For the, no. He, he, Eric's does a great job. He, he, uh, he's a graphics guy, does a lot of work for Teal Town USA, Sharks Podcast, friend of the show uh, in San Jose. So, uh, um, and he, uh, they look they're sharp but uh i think as far as like uh, as far as what we want colors in a jersey i'm not sure that's going to work so uh he also designed and here's another one the uh white one which is the uh the circle arch background logo the blues had for the third jersey for a number of years uh but with, on a white jersey so, so instead uh, of the navy blue it's right. just white this is the white like version I, of that jersey yeah i like that i think that's a good look yeah i think that's solid yeah. It's got the, no, it's got the blues uh, uh, logos on the shoulders, no shoulder piping, um, yeah. and I, I think it just—I think it's a solid-looking jersey. I'd love that. I like it. Yeah. I like it more. I think yeah. I like it more yeah. than the blue one. The, 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 the one they used, you know. Especially yeah. since yeah, no, I don't know, Puckguy uh, fourteen. Go ahead and uh, tell me I'm wrong here, but I feel like that's like an off-white color too, and I think that adds to it. I like. I think that's the just the shadows, and I think it's just the shadows of the of the template. Maybe, but yeah. it looks good. I like it. So, uh, Puck Guy fourteen, uh, Eric over at uh, Teal Town USA. Thank you very much. I think we I think we talked about this, um, and uh, I think we're we supposed to like design sharks jerseys for them. 
<laughs> I think that was the deal. Right. Something like that. Kurt, so uh, I'll let you do that. I, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll, we'll, we'll have to return the favor here. If I can find some time this week to, uh, to do that for you guys to uh, have some fun. Uh, I'm not promising they're going to look good. I may make them look shitty on purpose <laughs> just for fun, <laughs> just for fun, you know, because who cares? Uh, who wants to make a nice looking Jersey? Anybody can do that. I want to make a bad one. That'll uh, a bad uh, one. That's well Crawl. done. Bob Crawl says, um, uh, yuck applies to the yellow. So he said, yuck. And he wanted to make sure that we knew that was to the yellow Jersey. I agree. Uh, puck guy 14. It's just the shadows. Nothing like the bone LA Rams used weak sauce. Yeah. The LA Rams jerseys are awful. Um, <laughs> puck guy 14. Here you go. If you do orange, so help you, Kurt, Kurt. Now you have to do an orange one. I mean, you I got an orange to. one. I, I could do a, yeah. I could do a, uh, uh, I don't know. How about a how about a mauve? That'd be a nice little uh, change of pace there for for the sharks. Mauve. No, I'll tell you what. What's the what's the worst color that an initial team has used in their jerseys? Off top yellow. Of you think yellow, Bill? What would you say? Um, I, I, I really I think you make it. Yeah, I. <sighs> I mean, the one that that sticks out is the the jersey Mike McKenna wore in his draft year, right? The the mustard yellow Preds jersey. Um, but you know, I'm probably not thinking. It, you're probably gonna wow me with with what you're gonna say. Um, eggplant. Eggplant is used in the was used in the Anaheim Ducks, the purple. Yeah, that's the purple. So yeah. I, I, now I'm not saying that particular color is the worst, but that color combined with the fact that it's na- it's actually called eggplant that that does it in for me. I can't that's I can't handle it. It's not it's not. A, and Jeff Jeff, you could like you've got like a, a cat's ass tail like right in the screen the whole time. It's like it's like is it, it he or she? Is it he or she? It's a he. It's, a he. He, it's like he knows. He knows. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for doing that. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get some uh, Sharks jerseys your way. Um, those look pretty professional, though. So, Jesus Christ, I gotta like get my work out for me to make something look presentable. Um, what do we got? Um, the uh, oh, and this just in: hockey odor kills COVID nineteen. Saw that on uh, on. Uh, you know, okay. So this Reddit. is a funny meme that went around. And you know what's funny about that is we had uh, we had a tournament uh, over at Queenie Park where we have the pond tournament. Uh, we had a tournament in March, and it was literally like the last thing we did. And we even said that night we we're having beers after the tournament was over, and we're like, "This is probably gonna be the last time any of us are allowed to leave our houses for months." So we even like knew it then, and we were saying then we're like, "You know what? We should still be able to play hockey." Because hockey locker rooms are where COVID-19 goes to die. <laughs> and so when this meme yeah. came out, I'm like, we were saying that fucking seven months ago. And if I feel like yeah. there might be some truth to that. Because if you've stepped in a hockey locker room, oh, good Lord. <laughs> if, if, if there's any smell that could kill COVID, it would be, it'd be hockey smell. Hockey glove. Ugh, jeez. Oh, that's, gloves are the worst. You ever, I, and we may have talked about this on the show before, but you ever like uh, 
uh, finish playing a game and uh, you, you, you put your equipment in your bag and then you say you got a week off before your next game and you don't get your stuff out of your bag until the next game, you take it to the rink, you get out, you take your stuff out and your gloves and your equipment are still wet from the week before. You ever have that? That is, and I, I tell people that and they want to throw up. I'm like, yeah, well, I had to put it on, on my body. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, yeah. I play that. multiple games on Sundays still to this day. So like I'll play Sunday morning and then I'll play Sunday night and my shit is still wet. And oh, it's that's just nothing. Ugh. Try but seven days put it on. Seven days it's yeah. gross. It's still gross. <laughs> that that five to ten seconds after you put it on and it assimilates to your body uh, is just like you you feel less than human, for sure. I think I think uh, our, my cousin Jeff kept his out in the shed too outside. So not yeah. only was it like uh, like oh. wet still, it was cold. In the winter time, it'd be freezing. This stuff would like be mm-hmm. about ice on it. It'd be frozen. That's that's the rule I had when I first moved in with my, well, now wife, but girlfriend at the time. I told her, I'm like, I need to keep my pads inside because that's that's the one rule I have. I don't care if you put them next to the heater, if, you know, they're nowhere to be seen, that's fine. But I will not play in pads that are just gross and cold and still wet because they were outside the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Real fast, nice, gross hockey story. Uh, when Julie and I first started dating, uh, I was I was really at that you know the peak of my hockey junkie. I you know would go play a game whenever anybody would ask. So I just I left my stuff in my car. Um, my car at that point was a oh. uh, '92 Mitsubishi Eclipse. So there's no trunk. Yeah. There's no trunk, oh. so the entire car smelled of that, always, oh, no. and to this day, Julie will not let me live that down that <laughs> I would ever drive her anywhere in that car. You know, it's funny is that I one time I had I bought a package of frozen chicken breasts, and it was in the summertime, and I I, I, I put it in the trunk of my car, come back from the grocery store, forgot about them, and I I think it had been a few days. And this is in the summer heat, right? And so I go into my car a few days later. I get in. Like, oh, my God. Like something had died inside the car, right? And I didn't know what it was. And um, I guess for those of you who don't understand hockey smell. Now, granted, it didn't smell like dead chicken or like like rancid, like just old, just gross, disgusting chicken. Days old out in the sun. Uh, it's, it's at the same level, though. It didn't smell the same, but it was on par with that level of stench. Okay, so that's 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 how bad hockey smell gets. For some reason, no other sport is that way. It doesn't. I mean, I I don't I don't know if you don't wear the same amount of equipment. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, hockey stuff just soaks up the sweat and keeps the moisture. Well, in it, it it bakes it bakes in there because you've got like you don't have pads that are like exposed to the outside air they're they're covered by a jersey and covered by socks and covered by pants and you put them in your hockey bag and you just stick them all in your hockey bag together and they just bake in there after you're done because they're still 
it's still warm from the from you playing hockey and it, scientifically it's been proven because there was a <laughs> show there there was a show on it was called like sports science or science of sports or something mm-hmm. it was on fox sports and and yeah hockey smell is way worse than any other sport I, as an adult, I learned and actually trained myself to, when I was done playing, to, to take my bag out of my car, take it in the basement, take everything out, air out the pads, wash the clothes. And that's, that's, and, and when I got in that habit, things changed dramatically. My gloves, the lifespan of my gloves lasted like five times as long <laughs> because the, the, the palms didn't get all crusty hard and then crack, you know? So uh, yeah, that, that, so if if you if you if you have the wherewithal to actually take your bag out of your car or your vehicle or your shed or whatever and bring it inside, if a basement to air it out and wash stuff right away, your stuff will last a lot longer and it won't smell near as bad. So I'm just saying. But again, you know, kids do don't do that. I, mean, I didn't. So just saying. That's just saying. <laughs> I think we're going to, I think uh, since uh, we were graced with Mike McKenna's presence and he gave us so much time, uh, which we appreciate it greatly, uh, I think we're going to save our uh, story with the uh, NBC Sports Blues article until next time because uh, that's not time sensitive. So we can we can talk about that next time. And I think uh, unless you guys have anything you want to add, I think we can uh, pretty much uh, wrap up this show. No, I know that um, I've had... I, I mean, I and you guys as well. We've had a lot of excellent uh, guests on the show over the nine seasons we've done it. Um, and and you know, I know I it probably seems like I say this all the time, but Mike McKenna was one of my favorite guests we've ever had. And I know Bill will agree because you know he gave us kind of the ins and outs of goaltending and the life of a pro goalie that had to bounce between leagues. Um, just a very down-to-earth guy and very easy to talk to, like kind of like talking to one of our friends that we'd have on, talking about men's league hockey or something. Just a very, very cool guy. So we really appreciate having Mike on. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as, as Kurt says. We hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. <laughs> yeah, and that's not just one of the, my you know my favorite interviews that we've that done on the show. Uh, it's it's one of the most interesting and, and uh, to me anyway interviews that I've ever heard uh, from I mean anywhere I, I that was truly enjoyable to uh, talk to him and he was so great about uh, what he shared and he was so good and I can see why you know that the that uh, he's got a career now in uh, broadcasting he just does a good job he's a good he's a good speaker does a nice job and so thank you Mike appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, you know, like I said, I I should have had a goalie nerd question ready for him, but <laughs> it's kind of you know I, I was just really enjoying you know listening to the conversation and listening to his stories. It it was just it was it was amazing, and uh, I don't know if if he comes back on, uh, I'll make it my goal to to have you know like pure on goalie nerd conversation with him <laughs> uh, at Mike McKenna fifty six. Yeah, at Mike McKenna fifty six. Again, we talked about you know a, a whole show in itself, but that would be a whole show in itself. Hearing Bill and Mike just talk about goaltending for an hour—that would be a lot of fun to hear. 
Uh, support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming products. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code LGB. Make your balls a priority this fall. And I guess that will wrap up episode eight of episode nine of season nine of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Thanks for listening and thanks to those who participated in the YouTube and Facebook live chats during the show. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. For Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm Kurt Price. Until next time, everyone, let's go blues. Let's go blues. Let's go blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. I want you to have a heart attack and die so that we never have to do this shit again. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one, now there's no more blues for our St. Louis.